all power to the people who specialize in a certain type of snake. But if you have the same thing in every single cage and every single drawer, it, I don't know. I think I'd get bored. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to number 70 of From the Ground Up. A few things before we get started. You can check out some t-shirts on portcitypythons.com. That helps host the podcast and keep the podcast going. We also have Amazon links that you can see beneath our videos as well as in the description of the podcast. And then you can also hear Owen's sound coming back at me and giving me some feedback, I believe. Is that you? I I don't know if it is, but um, I've got my headset and my mic and everything plugged in. So um, I don't know. I'm just gonna keep on talking. Yeah, I think we're. I don't know. I'm just gonna keep on talking. It sounds good now. Okay. All right. So I threw it. <laughs> so we were saying at how there wasn't gonna be any technical difficulties, but no. I if if we can get through an NPR episode without like my computer exploding, I call it a good episode, and we just roll. So I know yeah. Eric doesn't like that <laughs> so it's been like uh 30 seconds so it's off to a good start um i don't know what the fuck i was talking about there's probably a carpet fest coming up oh and <laughs> we usually do ads for carpet fest but it's more awkward when i'm looking there's like four of them face. i mean <laughs> i'm sorry it, i was just listening again this video thing is so new to me <laughs> but um uh yeah there's a carpet fest coming up on saturday it is the northeast carpet fest it is the seventh uh annual northeast carpet fest so we're gonna keep trying to do those until one of us is dead um probably be me first exposed to eric's gonna live forever but um it's our time it's i mean it's our turn this one uh and then i think there's one more after us and i think we're done for the year and we're gonna start over again so uh, uh i think God, I don't remember which one is still left after us. <laughs> See, I'm not, I'm bad at this too. I need like he needs he needs here. Um, Eric needs to be here, otherwise I don't know what I'm talking about. So uh, Alyssa we, needs to be here, or I don't know. What I don't I'm know. See, this is not good. What this are we is, doing? <laughs> we have the two secondary people here, and now we're just kind of talking. Oh, but <laughs> now she's yelling at me. It's two minutes in, and you're saying what are and we? And it's doing? already gone haywire. It's already gone. You well, known. we were trying to like do the pre-ass thing. We we're getting a little feedback, and it's a whole thing, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to actually do the show though. <laughs> All right, so uh, today we have on Owen McIntyre, if you didn't notice, of Morelia Python Radio, as well as Rogue Reptiles. He works with a plethora of different snake species, uh, obviously really deep into the Morelia and stuff like that. So, Owen, when you were growing up, did you want to be a Morelia Python Radio co-host or... It was always my dream. I followed Eric around for Eon. No, I <laughs> actually had... Um... Unlike, and I know it because this is like the first question we ask everybody on NPR. Uh, and my story is so much different than theirs because uh, my first interaction with a reptile was actually a water turtle. I was one of those kids that your parents got you like a red-eared slider that you never should do because it's still alive. And they got it from me when I was like five. 
and I'm like 32 now, and it's like the, the thing is still around. So never do that. They last forever. Um, and actually, I was terrified of snakes for most of my life. Um, it was uh, my dad let us watch like Indiana Jones and a bunch of other shit and just warped my tiny little mind that snakes were something to totally avoid. And uh, walking down a creek with my cousin, uh, Eastern Water Snake, like shot by me. And I just fell down this embankment and got like cut up all bad. And I'm like, oh, a snake clearly was out to get me. And that stuck with me till probably about uh, college. So, um, no, I did not want to do anything with snakes as a child. I wanted them very <laughs> far away from me. And uh, I was when they at the zoo, when they bust out the python, there's always that one kid that just runs. I was that guy. So, uh, yeah, it was a kind of nice little 180 I did in college. So. so how did what was your first exposure and what changed your mind in college? Uh, my first exposure was um, my roommate freshman year. Uh, was Chris Foley. Um, and he is doing a bunch of stuff with scrubs and other things like that. Now, uh, at the time, he was doing colubrids and carpet pythons. So the first interaction was there was a big reptile show that Saturday. And he brought a leucistic Texas rat snake to the dorm because he was going to go up to Hamburg and sell it. You guys will know of Hamburg when you come up here. It, it'll be fun. I've heard. I've heard the lore. <laughs> it'll be a nice eye-opening experience for you guys. I kind of want to be there when you first show like, oh, no. the venomous they have a showering <laughs> station outside, or where do I hose down after? Um, you go home, and you just pour like the, the nicks and stuff right on you. But, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But uh, the he brought the leucistic Texas rat and he pulls it out and it's sitting on his hands all nice and happy. And it looked leucistic rat, rat snakes look awesome. They have that big kind of arrow kind of head. So it's just sitting there and he says these words. He goes, this one is my buddy. And then it just nails him right in the face and he's bleeding everywhere. And from that moment, I'm like, these things are so cool. I don't know why that did it, but. And then that you, seems like that would validate the wrong thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so um, then we we go to Hamburg, we check out some stuff, go back to his house where he had carpet pythons, white lips, um, a bunch of stuff. So from there, it just stumbled out of control. My 18th birthday, I got my first carpet python as a pet. And then it was done. You know, you go from one snake to two snakes to 12 snakes. There's never anybody out there with like four or like six it's 12 and um i kept them all in my college dorm room so were you in like one of those situations where it's you and a roommate in a dorm and yep yeah everyone was cool with the situation no <laughs> no not at all um it uh it was one of those things where my first couple years uh my first year uh college i didn't really I, it was, Chris was my roommate and then he left. So then I didn't have a roommate. And then the second year I had a roommate that was cool. And then I moved into one of those big quads and everybody just kind of left me alone, which was bad because if I'm left alone, I end up getting more of them. So, you know, it's, it got to the point where everybody kind of knew I had them, but nobody could really prove it. If you were, you know, somebody could get me in trouble. So there was literally an email uh, sent around by the college saying that they were uh, responding to the reports of rogue reptiles in Cook Hall, which is where I was. And I'm like, oh, that's 
done. So that's where Rogue came from. And from that point on, that was it and just kept growing. It went from, I think I left college with 15 carpet pythons. And if they had caught me, it would have been $500 uh, per animal, $200 per paraphernalia. So every cage, every hide box, and every frozen rat in my freezer would have cost me. I'd still be paying is what it would have done. And I would have gotten expelled. So I got close a few times, caught a few times. And so did you still keep after that email? Of course. Are you kidding me? I framed (laughs) that in years. Well, that email came out, I think, when I was a sophomore and Holy I graduated. God. So, yeah, I mean, that would <laughs> catch me. So, uh, so it, you never were like, hmm, let me move to an apartment. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I probably should have, but I wasn't thinking that's, that's good snake money could be spent on an apartment. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, and how quickly do you become the snake guy with the reptiles in room, whatever? Oh, my God. It was, we had, I always had a saying that we had, um, I had my cell phone the entire time. And then the dorm provided you with like a push button cord phone, like one of those ones you would see from like whenever. And uh, if if that phone ever rang, it's because somebody got my phone number and they wanted to know what was wrong with the ball python. They just bought at PetSmart. So it was like I, I was going over people's dorms where they had their illegal snake. And I'm like, well, he's a little cold. You might want to bump up the heat a little bit or oh he's got mites you want to try this this and this. it was like i'm learning all this stuff and then a week later i'm regurgitating it for somebody else so it's like oh yeah it's uh no <laughs> point was i stopping <laughs> so so what did you study in school uh, i was i have a degree in small animal science pre-veterinary medicine from uh, delaware valley university uh it's so here. you went into zoos correct out of college yeah, I uh, went into a small uh, uh, zoo that was not AZA accredited, it was ZAA accreditation, so it's a little bit stepped down, um, and they did a lot of outreach educational programs, um, and they brought me on, and apparently, uh, because you can hear me clear across an auditorium when I'm talking normal, um, they decided to have me go out there and do that stuff, so I was I spent about two years traveling around doing educational programs, and working at a zoo afterwards so but yeah it was a head of reptiles and uh education so what kind of animals were you working with there Mm -hmm. um i I, we had the the snake stuff so we had you know a bunch of different colibrids and that's where i kind of got more exposure to venomous and other things like that but then we also had the mammals which they had such a small it was such a small zoo such a small staff they let us like take the babies home and stuff like that so, I mean, I've raised uh, two lions, a tiger, <laughs> uh, African crested porcupine, um, a spectacled owl, a lesser uh, headed, uh, lesser yellow vulture, um, macaws, uh, kinkajou, uh, a bear. Bears suck. All right. You know, don't it's that's that was not fun at all. <laughs> but um, when you said they let me bring things home, I thought you meant like a oh. snake. No, 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 they're fine. I mean, like the snakes you can leave in the bin overnight. It's like, yeah, whatever. It was uh, the lions and stuff. They were the ones that needed bottles like every uh, two hours. But my favorite, like beyond all, were uh, the kangaroos. I mean, if uh, if I win, if I ever get a farm and it's filled with kangaroos, you know, I've won the lottery and I'm not telling anybody. So, um, yeah, I definitely uh, I miss the kangaroos probably the most. So, 
they're cool. What made you move on from that zoo? The zoo itself, actually, uh, because it was an AZA accredited, um, started getting into a little bit of the back end of the animal rights stuff. And, and you know, you kind of when you're in the inside, you're playing with tigers and it's all kind of cool. But then you also know it's not really the best situation for stuff. So I, I, I and I also enjoyed seeing daylight um, because you didn't do that if you're in a tiny zoo and you're get, getting there by six to leave for educational programs to get back to the zoo by uh, seven to finish up what the reptile staff left for you or doing all this stuff, leaving by one back by six. It was so I just decided to go and actually pursued um, biology, teaching biology in high school uh, in Philadelphia, which. Wait, what? I didn't know that. I know, right? Uh, and it went about as well as you think it would have gone. <laughs> do, you like, do you like kids? I, not anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I like my nephew. So that's like one, right? I mean, that's. <laughs> well, yeah, I did that for a hot minute. And then I went and started selling insurance. And that's where I'm at now. So, so you would think someone who works with animals, you know, <laughs> as a hobby would want to do it as a career. Why didn't you stick with it in that sense? I would say that doing it as a career is difficult. Um, and I, I like everybody who does it professionally, like more power to you guys. There's a lot of shit that, and decisions that you have to make that I could not. Um, and I think it kind of just went to the place of, uh, where, I, what I should have been doing, uh, during my college days when I had no worries is like mucking myself down into these zoos and like gutting fish all day and getting paid pennies. And then when it mattered <laughs> and I had all these bills and stuff, I, I couldn't really do all that stuff. So, um, I, I'd want to say that, uh, when it comes to that, it's just, it's very hard to kind of shift around and do a lot of stuff and afford some things for a certain amount of time. But if you can make it work more power to you, I just couldn't. So I think it's so shitty that people don't realize that, like, when you start as a zookeeper or something like that, you're making like 12 bucks an hour. Oh, yeah. Like, you could pretty much work anywhere and make as much as you can make as a zookeeper with, with a college degree, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a shitty situation because they kind of take advantage of the fact that you love your job per se or you love what you're you're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, teachers. Yeah, exactly. So besides Owen, <laughs> besides Owen, Owen got out of there real fast. But um, it, it's one of those things where you also got to understand every zoo has a filing cabinet full of uh, applications from people who are insanely qualified and insanely good at their job. So they they always have to pick of the litters when it comes to that kind of stuff. And uh, again, it, it, I have friends who made it work, and I'm thoroughly impressed with them and how they do it. And uh, I have some who just like me tried the best they could and then ended up having to take out of, but you know, it's one of those things I have, I have the reason I was able to even do it is I have rogue. I have the snakes. I'm not totally unplugged. So, yeah. So now you're in rogue for how long before you kind of meet Eric and start NPR? Oh my God. Um, it was, uh, shit. When was that? I don't know, six years ago. When have we been doing the show for six years? So, do math. Um, they were already selling insurance and doing all that during that. Uh, time. No, I think I was working at. Uh, I think I was working at University of Pennsylvania in their animal labs, which is the other side of animal stuff that is 
not so much fun. Um, Does but, that include rat shit? Lots of rat shit? Lots. That's why I don't breed my own rats. That sucks. <laughs> All right. It was horrible. But <laughs> it was, yeah. So the people are like, breed your rat? No, never again. So, and that was the day job. And then I'd come home and I'd go down to the snake room. And they would, I would have everyone's attention. They'd all know I was there. You just smelled it. But um, it, it was probably, it was six years ago. So Eric um, tried the first ever NPR episode solo. And if you can ever get an audio recording of that, it is fantastic. Yeah. So, cause it's very hard to talk to yourself for however long. I mean, especially when you're not used to it. Cause you haven't done it for six years. Maybe now you would be able to do it. I can't even do it. Do you watch when he goes away? Have you listened to the show? When he leaves me, I'm just like, and yeah. Hi everybody. Like, you know, no, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So, uh, he did the one episode and he, um, he, he realized it was going to be difficult. So he posts on M, uh, the Morelia Python's forum, which is gone now, um, that he was looking for a co-host. And I knew of Eric, but mainly it was because of like Eric, because uh, he was running around buying like a ton of snakes. And I'm like, this one looks pretty and like sold. Thank you, Eric. I'm like, God damn this guy. Who is this guy? He's buying all this shit I want. And like, you know, so... He says that he needs a podcast, uh, that needs a co-host. So, and, and he throws it out there and nobody has, a bunch of people have seen it. Nobody has replied. Nobody said anything. So I, I, I kind of tussled with it for maybe a good hour. And then I'm like, all right, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll do one or two of these, whatever. So I messaged him. I said, Hey, you know, I can do, I can help you out. I can do this with you. I'm thinking, two shows, three shows. And then like <laughs> one of us will be like, I don't really feel like doing it this week. And then we'd call it a quits or something. And it's like, you know, and it just it kept going and like, it would, it still isn't stopped. I have to do it tomorrow. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, but that's really kind of where it went. And uh, the first, the first show that he and I did together, he kind of interviewed me uh, and that was probably the second conversation we had ever had. Whoa. Yeah. And so it was like, we maybe had like one talk before the show. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> so uh, so yeah. was it instant chemistry? Love at first sight. I mean, no, because <laughs> there was a lot of, there was a lot of dead, dead air. There was a lot of talking and then not knowing when to talk, not knowing when he was going to talk, not knowing what his sense of humor was or mine was and how they played off each other. So it was a lot of, and that's that sucks, you know, and that, <laughs> that's horrible. And you had to kind of learn. And then you do a couple episodes, you get more relaxed and you can kind of see through in the first uh, season. Maybe we start getting more and more comfortable. We start kind of taking jabs at each other and we start kind of getting it to be a little bit of a thing where we kind of if you can get people laughing, everything just relaxes and uh you don't feel as stiff. And as long as Eric and I are having fun doing the show, it's very rare that we have a nervous guest anymore, just because it's just, it's just like talking to him like anything else. Like I'm just, I'm pretending nothing else has happened. I'm just talking to you guys. So yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you like act like you were a radio guy or something? I can't imagine you not being yourself. <sighs> it was, it, it was, I was stiff. I was like, and tonight on, what are, at Morelia Python Radio? Yeah, like no, it's like I had to say the whole thing every time. I had to, 
and I would screw up people's names because I suck at that kind of stuff. And I'd be like devastated the next day when they're like, oh, yeah, you kept calling Sean Christian, Sean Christensen the entire time. I'm like, like, shit. Uh, So, you know, that's but you get over that kind of stuff. You kind of realize that you just kind of roll with it and you feel better after a little bit and it, it gets easier. So did you guys even know each other? Like you're both from the same general area and you didn't even know of each other nope 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 um eric well eric had been into pythons and then he took a hiatus and it's like his hiatus is right like when i was coming up so it was like we like missed each other and the funnier thing is uh where i did all that teaching stuff that we kind of tried for a little bit was like five minutes from eric's house like i drove the first time i went over to eric's house i'm like i've been here before oh shit and like you know there's yeah so it, it we just never even occurred to us. He had contacted me once asking to buy a snake, and then he didn't buy it and disappeared. So I'm like, all right, screw you, guy. <laughs> but you know, and then we did the podcast, and I think I brought it up like three or four times on the show, and then he eventually bought it. I'm like, aha. <laughs> so we were, playing, we were playing a long game, two year wait. I see. It's like, yeah. So it was it's one of those things you just kind of uh, feel it out. But yeah, we never nothing. No inkling of them. So just in case you were wondering, there's no hate in the chat. It is just Eric and Owen. You are one of the biggest reasons why we have a carpet python. Is that so Bill Stegall? Is he around here? Where is he? <laughs> no, I'm sure right. he'll show up eventually. But um, yeah. But where was your collection at when you first started NPR? <laughs> uh, I had six coastal carpet python. Woo! That was, that, was <laughs> that was it. I had nothing but carpets, and I think I just... I just left college um, and was broke, which is why I went from like 15 to like six. And I think I had like two king snakes kicking around, um, which that was my first ever snake. Non-python was a Cali king. So if I can have those around, I'm always happy. Um, But that's where we were at, where I was at. And my knowledge was really very pigeonholed to coastal carpet pythons. Yeah, It's insanely obvious when you listen to like the first scrub show that I ever did solo um because it's horrible and i wish it was like just delete from people are like what's the worst episode i'm like that one if i could have that one back and destroy it and no one will ever need to listen to it again be totally happy but you get on the show and you start talking to people and then the collection just starts growing <laughs> and and things happen and things just start accruing and you start talking to these people who this snake is their entire passion and they've devoted their entire collection to it, and you can't help but get hooked. That's why I can't go online during the show anymore. I'd be like, Macklet's Python, click. Like, I'd be buying during the show, and that's bad. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was, uh, it was only only those coastals. That's a, a weird thing. Like, I wish I could be that guy, too, who has, like, that <laughs> one thing. But I talk to people, too, and we're in the Barron's Racers now. Oh, we were literally oh my God, they're gorgeous. <laughs> for, like, an hour last week after it. Like, they're uh, so pretty. There, were, uh, there was a pair of the blue ones at a Hamburg show in a tank. And I'm pretty sure the guy was going to ask me to leave because I was, like, up against the tank like this, going, like, they're so pretty. And they're, like, you know, he's, like, dude, are you going to buy them? I'm, like, I, uh, what? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, <laughs> they're gorgeous. Uh, every time I bring up an animal that's, like, slightly venomous on the show, Rob Stone usually messages me the next day to tell me how stupid I am and how I'm going to die. And I'm like, all right, I won't have it. <laughs> like, you know, there's all that kind of stuff. But they're on my, like, secret don't tell Rob Stone list. Um, so 
Well, as a as a citizen of the state of Pennsylvania, you can pretty much keep whatever the fuck. Oh you want, dear God, so. yes. I mean, <laughs> to it, a fault. It's yeah, no sugar gliders. You, they catch you with a sugar <laughs> glider, you are in freaking trouble. But um, and and you'll notice that the reptile shows in state to state is very different. Um, PA, it's it's its own creature. I mean, crocodiles, venomous. Um, it, there's I've I've seen some things at the Hamburg show that I wouldn't necessarily necessarily approve of, but that's to me. It happens. Yeah, not my kid. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of said it there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the first thing that you got out of, uh, you know, your coastal carpet? Did you go to a different carpet or did you jump totally out of it? I think I jumped totally out of it, to be honest with you, because uh, I had coastals and then it, it took me a while to get jungles and IJs just because uh, um didn't I didn't really feel the need to. Um, what pulled me out of it was um, when Eric's incubator broke. Um, he came over with his clutch, and this was like the first one of the first U.S. clutches of zebra jags. No pressure, you know, putting them in my incubator at all. Dude, so that like Eric's like first clutch or something. It was he one of them. Pretty green. Oh, it was one of them where he was like, "I'm going to do nothing but maternal incubation," and then the females like, "I don't want these eggs," and he's like, "Shit, what now?" And I'm like, "Oh, I guess you're screwed." And he brought them over here to my house, and I'm like, "All right, we'll throw them in the incubator." And he, we throw the eggs in the incubator, and they're fine. They hatched. They're whatever. And then he has this box um, behind him, a little plastic container, and. He's like, this is for you. I'm like, all right, well, what the? and I open it up and it's a, a juvenile Maclots Python. It's uh, my Maclots Python glitch. And uh, hence his name, because there was a glitch in Eric's incubating system. <laughs> so, um, but, um, and, and that was, that was it. And that, that started the whole liasis thing for me. It was like, I, you know, the, he was so cool and he had freckles and he was awesome. So that led to another Mac and that led to water pythons that led to Savu pythons that led to olive pythons. So, and that kind of steamrolled with carpets. It's like I almost fell into uh, the other types of carpets. You know, I, I, you have Carpet Fest, you have interactions with all these people. And then Jason Balin's like, hey, man, you, you want a zebra? I'm like, I do. And he goes, cool. I'm like, well, shit, now I need jungles. <laughs> so and that's started that. And that's how that kind of went with all the other ones, too. But with the outside stuff, uh, anything outside of Morelia was just talking with people who were hooked into them and getting dragged down with them. So. So for reference, um, before NPR, about six snakes. What mm. are you at now? Mm. <laughs> uh, the current tally is 94 adult and raising animals. So it's like sub-adults and juvies that I've kept to raise myself. And I have 20 babies that are currently for sale. And I have 100 eggs in the incubator. There you go. Lots. That's <laughs> very specific. <laughs> to answer that question. Well, you know, and I found out about this because I never like to count. Counting is bad. Yeah. Never count. Um, I decided to do like a food chart to kind of keep a better idea of what I needed food wise. And I accidentally counted everything and I found out that way. So. Um, okay. Now it's interesting because you phrased it as pre NPR and now, but. Is NPR the reason he has that, or just the fact that it's been six years? A little I was bit of both. Why you asked it that way? But like, it, it, it's a mixture of both. It's, it's honest to God, a mixture of both because um, some of the pythons that I have downstairs uh, were babies when NPR started. 
I mean, and they're now breeding adults and stuff like that. And then their kids and their grandkids. So it's also the combination of all the projects that I never bred in college. I just kept. So uh, it's kind of the everything is now all the projects have now been going and holdbacks have been breeding and stuff like that. So it's definitely that that definitely has helped. But also NPR has helped, too, because they have there were some things that were kind of brought to my attention that I didn't really Eh, whatever it's not my thing it's not a carpet python forget about it so and then talking with people who've kept them and bred them i'm like maybe i'll take a look at them again or going over and seeing somebody's collection like uh with carpet fest and stuff like that it's just kind of brought things to the forefront um and then has me move into those different species in different directions is there any species to where you got into it because of NPR, then you're like, fuck these things. Oh, dear God, many. <laughs> Tons. I mean, I, I I don't have a single scrub here anymore because they suck. Um, But I got tons of scrubs because we we're talking to Dave Means and doing this. The other thing, I had Malukins and all this other stuff, Tannenbars, Barnex. And I kept getting bit and ripped into it. And I'm like, hey, get out of here. Um, uh, Blood pythons, Borneos, things like that. I got them and uh, I couldn't keep it happy. It was... Uh, flipping out it was and also i didn't like how they would just all of a sudden have a massive uh shit every month and like just uh it was horrible so i ended up it's giving her one to, big shit less one, yeah it's like for everything it was holding in once and no good so i ended up giving that to matt minatola so yeah it's there was there's been a few things where things just kind of shift around so awesome so let's get back to liasis mm -hmm. um what are you working with in liasis yeah, in liasis, and what do you have breeding pairs of, or supposed breeding pairs of? Well, I have I have pairs of everything. I have is pairs because I hate having like a single animal that's just like here. I'm like, oh, good, you're taking up a bin still. That's nice. Um, but uh, so I have I have maclots pythons. I have water pythons. I have a pair of savu pythons, but they're still little. And then I have an adult pair of olive pythons. All right, so now that the only two people who give a shit about water pythons are here, <laughs> uh, when, how far off are you on breeding them? Have you tried to breed them, and what's your progress? Uh, well, I, I, I constantly do this thing where I raise up a pair, and then I decide that it might not work. So then I like swap out a male or a female and then end up screwing myself. So we did that this year um, where I had a pair and I had a boy. And I spoke to Eric Kohler and he needed one. So I sent the boy to him because someone had given me another male, an older, bigger, kind of more robust boy that I thought would definitely be able to handle my big, mean female. So Eric Kohler sends me a picture of the male I just sent him, like breeding right out of the box. And I got nothing going on this year. So it's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> so it's one of those things where uh, I did try, um, but I never really seemed to get them to go, get animal, new animals to go the, same, the year I get them. It usually takes them about a year to settle. So hopefully I'll get them next year. Have yeah. you heard of a breeding size or age for them? Um, aside from just going by normal Python stuff, like four years for girls, two years for boys, um, I've not heard anything else other than, you know, uh, four foot, two foot kind of deal, anything like that. I've not heard anything special, so... Well, I'm just worrying for selfish reasons because mine's like <laughs> three years old and it's like the size of a corn snake. And I'm like, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those things where uh, I've been I've definitely been if you kind of listen back to NPR, the first couple 
uh, years, I was like, feed everything, big meals, get it huge. And I'm like, that's dumb. So, and also expensive. Uh, so I like to kind of keep things a little bit slow and grow slower nowadays. So I think my female's like six, something like that, maybe even a little bit older. And th- th- like, this was the first time I introduced her to a male. Okay. So uh, I would say four years, uh, two years old, size of a corn snake for a boy. Fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I think it, I think you'd do it. So I, I've been surprised by uh, male pythons with their size and how they breed before. So I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too roped into our shit, but um, <laughs> I never. But let me ask him as many questions. No, as no. I mean, I That's never. Fine. It's whatever. <laughs> well, I'm an idiot who's never weighed a corn snake ever. And I oh. always tell people it needs to be 300 grand. At least that's what people told me. I weighed my female that laid like nine eggs. She's 180 grams, but she's four years old. So the Miami Okatee. And that's like, and that's like our biggest project, but she's, she's fat. She's nice. She's just short. Three years. And whatever the other one is. Yeah, yeah. And three feet. But right. it's so bullshit. It's, it's, nah, it's nah. Three, she's three years and three feet. Yeah. Yeah. But I just wanted to prove I, none of that shit matters. So it, it really doesn't. I mean, I, ha- I had a four year old python that was probably the smallest python I've ever bred carpet this year, breed. And I was like, all right, you're going to give me like four eggs. Whoop the freaking do. She dropped like 12. I'm like, holy crap. All right. Well, I don't, I know nothing. I know nothing anymore. So uh, it, it's one of those things where it's um, sometimes if they're going to cycle, they're ready to go. They know, they know their bodies better than I do. So. Yeah, it's like sometimes these females cycle whether you pair them or not. So mm-hmm. it's like, might yeah. as well get the job might done. As, might as well get something out of it. So there you go. Yeah. So um, so where the, are you on your max at this point? The max have been like the bane of my existence project because it's like I've gotten like this close like four times and it just sucks. Um, I had... Uh, my original male glitch who's still here. Um, and then I ended up picking up a female for him and I got locks and I got eggs. And then I moved, uh, up to my current house in Birdsboro. And I did that in December because that was smart. And, um, she ended up slugging out. Uh, and when she slugged out, uh, something must've happened internally because she passed probably about a week or two later, which sucks. Cause I didn't have anything else. So, uh, right now, I'm in the current phase of raising uh, two females to try to get back into the Mac game, but we'll see. <laughs> so hopefully soon. That sucks. Yeah, you got to good things, bad things. Shit happens. Yeah. Um, Savus. We're tiny. just gonna go down the yeah, ladder. All right, all right. Let's. All right, we'll go down the ladder. Um, the I had a pair of Savus uh, a while ago, and then due to financial reasons, let them go because somebody offered me money I needed for them. And I always regretted that, like immediately, like the box left. I'm like, no, you shouldn't have done that. And I ended up getting them again. Uh, And I have them now. And I got them from Milan. uh, And they are holy terrors. I mean, they will jump out of the box, wrap up the mouse, and then go down the tongs and just kind of hold on to it. And you're like, all right, I'm just going to put these in here with you and grab another pair of tongs. And then if you feed the next Savu, you're out two tongs. So... Um, they are definitely jumpy flighty and I love them because of their orange color and they just kind of lose it. So it's kind of like watching them color change is really kind of cool. Um, I, uh, am definitely looking forward to them, but it's going to be a couple of years before them. And then the next ones are the olive pythons who I've been trying to get them to breed for the past two years and I haven't gotten anything out of them. 
So and I even got in the locks. So I don't know what the what are the boy. ages on those two? Seven years. Um, I got them from Tom Kyogen. So oh, yeah, they're actually Chris got them from Tom Kyogen, and then Chris sent them to me. So uh, they're about seven. So they should be doing something by now. So I ended up picking up another male olive to try to see if I can get something going with them. But if they don't do anything, they'll just be right there with the white lips, just taunting me. So, Let's speak about other things that nah, you yes. <laughs> other things I can't breathe that look at me. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, because uh, uh, so, we went through liasis because you I don't know. have duds pythons. Not yet. I'm Way waiting. to go. Yeah, I, Jesus. <laughs> you know, I got to check that little box. Um, but uh, uh, with white lips, um, I the first white lip I saw was at Chris's place, and it was a black male. And he opens this like drawer bin. He opens it up, and this male just comes like flying right out of the cage, lands on the ground, and rears up, open mouth, like chases him around the room. And I'm like, I must have this. So you know, it's like that was that was my introduction to white lip, and I still have them. And I'm surprised when they're mean to me. But um, uh, right now, I have a pair of captive born and bred adult goldface, and uh, Chris has some blackface that I'm kind of in there with him too. So, uh, but definitely a really, really cool species that I think are a little underrated, especially when they're in the sunlight. Um, and I would love to see more of them produced. So hopefully I can in do that. A, in a way, I feel like they aren't underrated, but underutilized as far as breeding. I feel like every show you go to, there's a imported white lip and mm -hmm. they're sold, but I don't, they disappear after a certain amount of time or people just suck. I don't know. Uh, I definitely think people give a shot, give a try to white lips. They maybe have a pair or two, and then they kind of realize that they're not like other pythons, and they just kind of bag them and let them go, which is fine. I mean, you know, we, we've said this on NPR. If you kind of want to research and dip your toe into a species, do it. Do it right. And then if it's not for you, back out. It's fine. So I do have to say they're a good, like, Instagram snake. If that makes sense. <laughs> because of that iridescent, you know, like I you may not see that many keep people keeping them, but I see white lips and like rainbow boas and all that shit. Well, yeah, that's why Owen Instagram. got white lips for yeah, I did. So they're actually never on there. But um got but I will say that I've had non-snake people like literally come up to me and be like, I saw a rainbow colored snake. And you, and you need to get this snake. I'm like, it's probably a white lip. And they're like, no. I'm like, it's a white lip. They're like, no. I'm like, all right, fine. You know more about this. Why don't you go ahead and show me? It's a white lip. It's like, yeah, and that's what it is. It's just people are like, it was like oil. I'm like, yeah. So they definitely leave a lasting impression. See? And that's, you think that'd be enough to like get people to keep them. But what's probably happening is exactly like he said. Like they it get chases them. you out of your they room. Realize they're like, they're, 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 <laughs> I mean, I want one. I've been telling him I want one. But then I hear stories like that. I'm like, Nah, so I might just settle for the other rainbow one and just go with the rainbow. Well, I will say this that um, my adult pair is the male is kind of chill, female is a horrible thing from the depths of hell. <laughs> but uh, I had a captive born and bred trio of babies that uh, Chris has them now, and they were they were just like any other baby python, normal, no, no fuss, no nothing, totally fine. So I think as you start getting more and more generations of captive born bred animals, you may get calmer animals and it may be a species that kind of has a like resurgence or something like that when there's a ton of them out there. So have you heard anything more on, I know 
uh, Dan Maleri had a video, I believe it's Tamika locality or whatever, that were supposedly very, very chill. Um, have you heard much about those in the hobby or who has them? Uh, I, I've heard all that stuff, and I know some people who do have them. Uh, and I've heard the same thing, that they are pretty chilled out, pretty calm. Uh, I've had blackface white lip that were totally fine, which I the hell if I know if they were Tamika locality because no one cared about it when I had them or I bought them. Um, but I've also had blackface white lip that were flighty, nervous, bitey, same thing. So I don't know. Um, I've never had any Tamika. Uh, it definitely would be one something I would want to look into. But are there are there any issues commonly with them? Because I just don't see that many adults out there. Or how uh, many babies are you know coming well, in? All the time. Well, I mean, like the other thing is that a lot of times when it's a baby uh, shoved into like a water bottle and sent over or something like that, it's it's had a pretty rough go in the beginning. And then, like you said, or what we said before, sometimes people just want to bag it and move it and. It, you know, people have pairs and one dies and then you have lone male, lone females kick around. So there aren't too many adults. So it's almost like if they reach adulthood, they kind of just settle and they're with somebody and that's where they end up being. Um, the one thing I will definitely say that will freak out every single white lip keeper the first time they have them is when they regurgitate a hairball. Um, that really kind of messes with people. They're not prepared for that. <laughs> So is this, do you think that it's a product of them not being used to digesting rodents yeah. or is it just what they do? I, 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 well, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen any kind of a research that like, you know, and then the Python in the wild coughed up a freaking hairball. But, um, I would say that it's probably more along the lines of, uh, them not being able to tolerate, uh, European rodent hair and it's either going to come out one end or the other. So they just decide to go that way. So. But yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that's very interesting. And like, <laughs> is it a hack or is it just like you thought it regurged and it's just hair? I've mistook them for urates until you get closer to them. And then you're like, oh, because they're white and they're clumpy. And then you see it's furry. Uh, and I've definitely seen it where it looks like it kind of just goes really easily. And the snake just goes like, bleh. But then I've also seen it where it's like writhing a little bit. And you're like, what's wrong with you? Are you OK? And then it's like just big hairball. You're like, oh. Gross. Thank you. So that kind of stuff. You think there would be any validity to trying out like reptilinx or just something that excludes the fur or at least fully intact fur? I think it would be something to do. I know that uh, I was suggested earlier after we talked about hairballs on NPR because Chris, uh, I'm sorry, Eric just got his pair, first pair of white lips. So I'm waiting for him to text me and be like, what the hell? And I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah. So um, uh, somebody told me to uh, cut the skin just like a few slices on the back of the rat see if that would help the snake digest the hair a little bit more and it's something that you know i think somebody could try would try i i don't know i just i'm lazy he eats the rat cool bye i'll see you later <laughs> so you know that kind of a deal yeah i do that with my green tree we've talked about it a few times but there's like a corn snake study that corn snakes when they're starting in the wild, it's very rare for them to eat a rodent in comparison to all the other shit that's plentiful out there in the wild. Right. So, so uh, the babies actually don't digest, um, you know, the pinkies as well as they would if you just put like a little slit in them. And then um, there's this vet that did a study to where there were animals that were up to two times bigger just by putting slits in the rodents so that they'd properly digest them. So damn, that's so I, I think that's where that comes from. So that's uh 
Well, I don't want huge white lips, so I, I'm already not liking this. Like, you know, last thing I need is my big monsters to get bigger. So, yeah, it's enrichment. Mm-hmm. I have a weird question that I don't know if there's an answer to, and it's not on topic. So he's probably <laughs> going to get mad at me. Um, does Eric have more influence over you or do you have more influence over Eric? I would say it depends on the day, you know, so it depends on the topic. Um, it's one of those things where uh, he, he and I have seen each other's collections like a million times and uh, I've picked up snakes for him and he's picked up snakes for me where uh, I'll be like, dude, check this thing out. And he's like, that's, that's, that's freaking awesome. And then like later he's like, dude, I had to buy one. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, and the same thing goes with the, it goes the other way around. So, uh, but I will also say there's certain lines that, uh, certain things I know he won't cross and won't do. And there's certain things that he knows I won't do. Like I won't do Borneos or bloods. I, I just, I, eh, no, that's Matt. That's Matt Minotola's area. And it's your area. Have fun. He won't do call your brits. So it's just the way of thing. Like he, we can still both appreciate each other's stuff and the you know pictures we send back and forth. But you know, if I want him to come over and buy a couple of beauty snakes, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> so it's just the way it is. Yeah, that's so weird because I don't think people realize how attentive and how smart all the colubrids are. Because I think you just got to keep like enough of something like a beauty snake. Dumb. (laughs) Yeah, well, people think they're like little kid. Eh, Well, I've seen some colubrids do some dumb shit. I've seen some scrubs do some dumb shit. I've seen I had a scrub eat a probe, but like I opened up the bin and it was like the probe was down its mouth and it was like up against the wall because it had eaten all it could. And I'm like, well, you're what? Why? And so that happens. So, but those are the smartest snakes out there. Always. Yeah. (laughs) They're the ones who follow you around the room because they're so smart, yet they eat probes when you're not looking. AKA, they just want to eat anything with a heat signature. Exactly. So it's just the way it is. It's some (laughs) snakes. Snakes can be snooped. Snakes can be smart. It is what it is. So, how did you, from kink snakes, it seems like a recent thing that you got into colubrids. And also, can you tell us the origin of how you pronounce colubrid? Because everyone pronounces it different, and you I, don't change the way you pronounce it ever. Call your brid colubrid. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> well, first off, it's just like I pronounce things crappy and shitty all the time. And until somebody who is of like a more learned and higher thing comes over and says, hey, Owen, it's this. I'll go okay, and like, and then I'll fix it. But so until if then, I contact Merriam-Webster dictionary, no, it had to be someone fluent in Latin, and that'd I be mean, anybody. Fun. Find me somebody. I'm so. determined. I'm so determined because it pains my soul to hear you say it that way. I know. I, I I've <laughs> ruined so many people's ears over the years. It's just ridiculous. Okay, I'm but one of my Latin persons. <laughs> Let's find me a Latin professor. Find me a Latin person. They're all going to disagree with you and disagree too. So this <laughs> launch a year long, a years long study. Oh God, <laughs> but <laughs> when it comes to them, I just kind of just again. There have been numerous times where I've said dumb shit because that's how I heard somebody say it to me once, and just keep regurgitating it until someone tells me not to or tells me the correct way. So is what it is. Um. But with the Caliber thing, with it coming kind of newish, I, I always had king snakes and I always had corn snakes. And what I always ended up doing was when the, I had a ton of baby pythons, you know, I would kind of let the, the I'd let them kind of trickle out. Like I'd sell a few pairs of corn snakes. I'd get rid of the king snakes. I'd, you know, need more bins for this. And then I kind of 
I'd miss them and I'd be like, oh, I don't really have the Cal Kings and all those other things like I usually do. So I'd get another one. So probably about two years ago, I'm like, you're going to get them. You're just going to freaking keep them this time because there's no more of this crap. So uh, I started just grabbing up some uh, some stuff. And I know that I'd worked with uh, Northern Pine Snakes at the zoo. Uh, breeding them and they, they were like first on my list of things to get um, and then after that it was just a slow trickle into same thing with pythons you know you talk to this guy and he says these things are awesome you go to his place you check them out and then you're like I need these so I traded a, my last green tree python to Buddy Buscemi he gave me a trio of rhino rat snakes um, that led to looking into beauty snakes I got my pair of Vietnamese blue beauties um, then I picked up some corn snakes, some cow kings, and then uh, talking to Riley and then going out to Tinley this year, uh, I bit hard on the Madagascan uh, hognose snakes. Um, and I got a pair of them out there. And then I just got a trio of the golden uh, back here. And then I got to I gotta get the speckled because they're like my Duns pythons. It pisses me off that I don't have them all. So um, <laughs> I have to go get those. But uh, that's pretty much how that stuff started. And um, I'm enjoying it. So it's kind of like a getting back to the roots kind of a deal. Yeah. And there's so many things with the attitude that you like without the scrub uh, consequences. Yes. Um, my I, I fed today before the show and I didn't get bit, which is good. Otherwise, I'd be like coming on with like blood coming down my neck or something. I don't know. But uh I went to go feed my pine snake and it was dark blue. And I'm like, here's your rat. And it curled up in the corner and just started like hissing and puffing up. And I'm like, oh, you're so funny. And I just closed the drawer. So it, it's kind of nice to watch that kind of stuff and kind of see them do their thing and their different interactions with like, you know, the puffing of the necks and standing up. And uh, it, it's, it's different than the pythons. I think if you had, you know, all power to the people who specialize in a certain type of snake, but if you have the same thing in every single cage and every single drawer, it, I don't know. I think I'd get bored. So. But it's a banana albino trick, dude. You don't even understand. Head for hippopotamus. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what right? I don't understand. It's like, it's like the, but the pines, it's like you are like reminded all the time, like, oh, yeah, I have a wild animal because this thing fucking hates me. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. not cuddly. No. no, no, no. It's and they've got the keeled scales and they're all kind of yeah. rough and pissed and that off. That was so. your first one you wanted, yeah, of course. I mean, come on yeah. now. <laughs> so, of course, I have a thing for like bumpy scaled snakes. I don't know why, because like I got the uh Marilla Carinata and I'm like, I love you. So, and they just have keeled scales and they have this thing where they'll like open their bottom jaw and show you all their lovely teeth. And I'm like, I love that so yeah, and have this thing where they musk on you and they rattle and try to and bite you yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and and breeding bull snakes you can hear them three rooms away pissed off at each other it's like yeah that's what i want that's exactly what i want give me the angry pissed off thing because it's just going to be fun it's going to be not like just laying there i'm like okay i guess it's a snake it, you know no i want I want an animal. <laughs> I want an animal. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want something just kind of like there. It's like, yeah, that's it's no fun. So, speaking of smartness, oh, actually, I don't know if it uh, huh? goes with that. But the other night, our pine snake was so loud. I swear, it was trying to use its hide as like a ramming thing into the <laughs> like hoping. Yeah, that the we're hide having. Would break we're having an tub. issue like with. It kept 
hitting on the tub. Like it's I don't know if you know how strong like an adult male pine snake is, but for whatever reason, when it's breeding season, oh God, and he <laughs> will just fucking ram his face into the cage until he's a bloody mess. Oh yeah, and it's, um, I need to feed him constantly, or else he'll keep on ramming his fucking face into shit. And yeah, I'm just like if I put a rat in his mouth, he'll stop. So <laughs> for a little bit, yeah, but like for a, like three days, and then he'll pick a, a giant shit. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're fussy right now. Here's your rat. And you go to bed. Yeah. But um, I actually do know because uh, my colubrid rack that's in my side room is actually a, na a natural spirits. Um, so it's a 41 quart, but it's set long ways. So you pull them out like big drawers. And they actually have two big metal security bars that latch in at the bottom and latch in at the top so that the snake can't shove the drawer open a little bit and fly out. So... But because if, if I didn't do that, pine snakes would be the first ones out. I'm telling you that right now. And they're just getting to the point where, because uh, I actually tried breeding them first time next year, but they're just getting to the size now where they are realizing that they're stronger than they used to be. And they are trying to do crap like that. <laughs> so and I'm like, stop it, please. Like, you know, I'm looking at all the other, like the rhinos, like they'll try with their, like, stupid scaly horn but yeah, they're not going anywhere like no one it feels like they need to properly secure the rhino rat snake it i close your drawer you're defeated the bull snakes i'm like or the bull snakes and the pine snakes i'm like locking you in like just keeping you here thanks guys so yeah same thing so with the you first got into asian rat snakes um i saw you also picked up I don't know if they're considered uh, green rat snakes or the ones that everyone's like. Oh, I don't know about you. The red tail green rat snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I got them. Have them. <laughs> no, I do not. No, um, I got You've them. learned real fucking quick. I did. I I really did. Um, I got them because I'm like you're kind of like my blue beauty snakes. They hated me too in the beginning. You'll learn. And these ones didn't learn. I mean, like they were just they were uh, definitely puffy and like you know flail up and do all other fun stuff but um they never settled and uh, and it kind of came a little bit of a hassle to feed them where they would be so pissed off at my presence and the fact that i brought them the rat that they wouldn't eat uh or they'd like throw it and eat it and uh they they were kind of just becoming one of those things where the enjoyment level was kind of dipping down so like i said i i tried them I set them up. I did everything. I read everything. I tried to do it. The I talked with numerous people who capped them. They just weren't for me. So uh, ended up just letting them go and uh, moving on to the next thing, which unfortunately was the Madagascan hogs that have kept my interest. And they're worse. I mean, dear God, they hood up and they're like, it's like a miniature cobra. And it's, I love it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Are they uh, more skittish than, say, a Western or even your Easterns and stuff that you find in the States, or do you have a comparison? I would say I've never seen a Western or an Eastern that is as nervous as they are. or, well, little bit, or I, as I may be able to show you one. Well, that's, so. the that's the thing is, though. It's like, but how many generations of Western are we looking at here? It's like maybe the first couple years of Westerns, they were, you know, just the same, but mm. I've seen some westerns that are noisy, but uh, never, never these guys. Um, I yeah, think I have I mean, a picture somewhere of like my one like hooded up. So yeah, 
I mean, it definitely shows the fact that Westerns don't play dead anymore and that kind of thing. Like, obviously, behavior is much different in the wild now than you find mm-hmm. in your captives. But um, Madagascar and Hognose obviously get a bit bigger. How much bigger do they get? And, like, does that pose a little bit more of an issue? It poses a little bit more of an issue, and I've been talking about this with um, Riley because he's the guy who kind of turned me onto it. And, like, I think That's I te- Riley Jimison? Yes, it is. That's yes, Riley Jimison. Yep. Uh, I texted Eric... Um, uh, that I got the first pair of Madagascar, Madagascar and Hogs, like, and then I think a minute went by, and then Riley was like just blowing up my phone. I'm like, who, he, I'm like, who? so Eric told you, and he was like, oh my god, dude! And then like the rest of the time I was in Tinley, he was just like flooding information. He sent me like several papers. He and I bounced off ideas off each other about setting them up. Uh, he and I were going into the gold project together because we got the one uh, trio. They were trying to work out what's going on with that because I didn't have it. He didn't have it. And now I got to hunt down some spectacles. But um, I don't think it's going to co- co- pose a problem for me because I have a ton of larger snake enclosures. So even if they do get bigger than a Western, per se, I think they're going to stay right around uh, smaller than a pine snake or a bull snake. So I got plenty of those and we're OK. Yeah, that's pretty much what I think I'm going to be looking at. It's just a smaller, more angry pine snake so did you get them as import babies or what do you work with uh my pair of the giants i got as captive uh hatched babies at tinley and it was one of those i was walking around like every time you go to a place like tinley it seems like this is the year for something and it's like on every table so i just happened to find a pair of babies on one of the tables that they're seeing a ton of adults so i just jumped on them and uh so they're uh captive hatched but then the trio of golds were wild caught so i'm trying to see what i can do with those to try to produce my own golds and then i'm still on the hunt like i said for i want to get i i try to get baby animals because i feel like if they're raised in my care they know what i'm doing they know how the situate and they, they know spend, the Owen way exactly. They spent their entire <laughs> lives here, you know, and that's it, it. People always say that the easiest animals to get to breed are the ones that you hatched and raised yourself because they don't know anything else. They, they know your routine from the second they were born. So that's what I'm kind of trying to do is hunt down younger ones. So uh, we'll see how this goes. And as much as I totally see how that's true, I'm so impatient. And I'm always like, <laughs> no, I want adults so I can breed them next year. Like, that's the fun part. Like, but, and I know that. But then it's like when you're like me and you've bought like four or five pairs of black face white lip adults and they stare at you constantly and do nothing. You're like, what the hell? And you find out that your easiest ones, the ones that are so chill and so mellow and so in tune with what's going on, are the ones that you raise up. It's like I could spend seven years buying pairs of adults and failing or i can spend seven years raising up my own animals and go from there so it's but i've had success with both like uh i have a pair of adult womas that i just bought as adults and they laid eggs for me this year even though they all bad (laughs) um still happen but you know it's one of those things where it's you can take the risk with some but there's some that if you can buy babies buy babies I agree. I try to tell her all the time about how snakes work and you don't just buy adults and you everything's can. good because That's we do that for corn can. snakes, but it's corn. Oh, snakes. well, corn snakes. I mean, listen, I'll buy an adult collier bread any day. I mean, that's fine. But for pythons, I, I just pythons and boas. It's like I feel like 
babies are the better way to go, especially with animals that haven't been produced regularly in the United States. It's much better just to start from scratch and raise it up. So, yeah. And I know it takes time and it sucks, but you got time. We're going to be time. here forever. Yeah, nothing's going yeah, anywhere. I got time and don't got money. <laughs> I like the money. Yeah, that's <laughs> the bad part. Yeah, that's, the that's the that's the <laughs> shitty part is when like you're the other part is when you're raising up these animals from like babies all the way up and somebody else who uh either went the route of just buying the adults like gets lucky, you're like, God damn it. Right. Or somebody else who got them like a year before you did breeds them and you're like, ah, oh, hurry up. Like and it just it it happens. So you just kind of keep rolling with it. My favorite was uh, all the big people got into Bolins this year and they're all like, we have locks. We're going to have babies. And then everyone else is like, oh, my God, I can't wait. Until we don't have babies. <laughs> and I don't see any babies yet. So that's fun. No one's had babies. Not that I've uh, seen eggs. legs. I mean, I don't think I think this one thing, if I ever were to breed Bolins, because I mean, like I'm rocking Ari's shirt right now. But um, if I was ever to breed Bolins, I'm pretty sure like I wouldn't need to post it on Facebook. I, people would just be able to hear me screaming that I got viable eggs off my front porch. So um, but it's kind of one of those things where uh, people try it, people get into it and people think that they can kind of bring some fresh ideas to it and, you know, more power to them. But I also know that there are some people out there that have been trying for so long. And like every year, I'm just like, God, I hope Keith, Keith McPeak gets a, uh, a clutch of eggs. Because, I mean, he's one of the guys that really puts into it. I know Ari really wants them. It's uh, There's a lot of kind of guys out there that do put a ton of work into the Bolins. And you just want to see them be successful. Yeah. And I think that's why the other people were like a big slap in their face because they oh, said yeah. they were going to breed them. And that's the only reason why it's the, like, fuck, man, there's so many people working so hard on it. Yeah. For, and, you know, the uh, yeah. OK, clearly putting them in the garage was the thing that everybody was missing. There's always a guy uh, at a reptile show that says that they know a guy who's bred Bolin's pythons. It's like, oh, my cousin bred them all the time. You know, the secret is. Put them in a sweater box and keep them in your garage under your car. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, bullshit. <laughs> so, you know, and, that, and you just gotta know that. You gotta know that half the time people are talking bullshit. So you go with it. So where do you go to breed things like white lips or macaws or shit pause, that's not coming? Sorry, so, sorry. Hmm. Before we leave, well, we already kind of left it, but I had a I had a last hognose okay. question. <laughs> that may be a basic, but I go hate hognose, so I don't know anything about them. <laughs> Um, between the different types of hognose is the, I don't know if this is the word, venom, venominity level. Venominity. <laughs> yes, the venominity is very venominous. I'll go with it. I love it. This is the venominity level. We're all so talking this, across like genuses and stuff. I, They're not I mean, really one for one. Bust this out the next time we have like a rattlesnake expert on NPR. <laughs> How's the venominity? And then I'll be like... <laughs> And well, Eric's going to be like, oh, fuck what it. The, Eric's going to be like, what the hell have you been doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say uh, um, <laughs> it was funny because I'm like, I better watch with these Madagascar. And I don't know how potent it is. You don't know their You don't know their I don't do not know it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit it. Didn't know it. Bought this thing. And I'm like, I should really have checked this. Um, but it was one of those things where I knew uh, Easterns and I knew Westerns weren't dangerous. So before I even handled them, after I'd already bought them, I did a little reading of, you know, Riley's stuff. And I'm like, okay, won't die. 
good enough for me. So, and I also figured that because they're rear fanged, it would take um, a little bit to get, I would never be in contact with the fangs. That is a lie. They know how to get you back to those things so fast. It's like ingrained in their instincts. So I pulled them out on the car ride home, like just one of them. And I'm like, you're so, and it bit my finger. While you're driving? I wasn't driving. My friend was. I was in the passenger oh, seat. Oh, we were totally okay. safe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it was stupid, but I really wanted to see it. Well, not the worst thing to happen in the car on the way back from Tinley. But oh. so it, <laughs> it, it bit me and then it like, I, I like I it like swallowed me all the way back to the fangs like as quick as possible. I'm like, well, I guess we're gonna see what happens here. Shit. So I put it away and I'm like, well, it's getting itchy and it's definitely getting puffy. And then like it went up and then it went down. I'm like, all right, cool, done. And I've been bit by them one other time. And I'm like, <laughs> same thing happened. It just kind of gets a little itchy, gets a little inflamed, and then goes away. And I'm like, all right, it's not worse than getting bit on the knuckles by a python. So whatever. Yeah, I think people kind of downplay that a little bit because they're like, oh, they got to walk up to the rear fangs. But like they don't have rear fangs for no reason. I mean, <laughs> they obviously fucking use them. Yeah, exactly. And the way they open their mouth, it's like they're rear fangs, but they're not like all the way down its throat. It can get you back there quickly. So it's, you know, I think that's just one of the misnomers that people kind of do with the, oh, it's OK to have this. It's rear fanged. Well, no, it's still still venomous or a little venomous. So definitely watch out and Here's don't my boom exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah so so then do you think it'd be well we only got three eastern westerns and sorry madagascar's but do you think the toxic <laughs> i can't even say that one toxicity <laughs> yeah level across them is about the same or is well it... before we were talking about venomity now we're getting on toxicity someone in the chat said toxicity and i was like oh maybe that's a better <laughs> well, no, word. I, I think that's the correct thing to go by but uh i don't i don't know and i think that would definitely uh be one of those things that it would depend on the climate that the animal is in in the wild I want to say that if it's full of stuff that moves pretty fast, I bet you the venom is more potent. Um, if it's full of stuff that it can get too easily and slow, it's probably going to be less that. So I, I would say I don't know anything about Madagascar, but it's probably faster than the Western United States, but I don't know. Um, so I would probably say it would go Eastern, Western Madagascar, but. I, I mean, there's something so just speaking about speed, something very not fast about Westerns. Like they're <laughs> terrible. Our yeah. Madagascar, Madagascar seem like they have uh, more of a slender body shape. They may be a little bit more athletic. They do. Um, and and they definitely are because it almost seems like when you look at a Western, you can see the difference between like its head and its body. <laughs> and with uh with a Madagascar, it's kinda like just one long tube with a little snout on the end. So uh they definitely seem like they're built for a little bit more of a faster climate. Yeah, so I, I don't know how these things eat in the wild Me as far either. as Western. <laughs> I'm going to get a whole, like, you know, book from Raleigh tomorrow, like, telling me which ones are more potent and how fast they move. So I'm excited for this. So I'm kind of hoping he just, like, sends that to me. So There you go. That's yeah. good stuff to know. <laughs> so do I, I have permission to move on? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Now what the fuck is my question? So, so with with things like 
these Madagascar hognose or white lips or maclots, who do you go out to and ask questions on how to keep and how to breed? Uh, Ryan Young would be probably the first guy I would talk to um, because he's bred and kept everything. Um, ever, somebody else would be like Rob Stone, who has kept everything. He uh, is a wealth of information when it comes to that kind of stuff and will definitely tell me what 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 article to read, what book to read, where to go with and how to do it. And then the rest is that I've been sitting down just listening to different Python breeders for six years. I mean, NPR also has an archive. So every once in a while, if I got to dip back into that to where we've had several people on who throughout their mass collection of carpets, they have a pair of Timors. All right, cool. So I'm going to listen to that show. And then I listen to the Timor part. I'm like, oh, right, yeah, I got this. So it's a lot of that kind of stuff where um, – knowledgeable people are out there. You just got to find them. And I've not met anybody who doesn't want to talk snakes. So who has them? Well, I think once you get down to that level, hmm. um, there's only so many people who want to talk about Maclots or Timors that <laughs> that person's probably pretty pumped. Like finally there's, Oh a my God. Yes. <laughs> it's like, that's Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you talk to, uh, and it's funny because you get them and then you're like, these things are awesome. Why doesn't anybody else have these? So, it's uh, it's one of those things that you you kind of hope the species would get a little bit more popular, but then also you kind of don't want it to get a little bit more popular because then you know I it there's it it's not for me like I don't have anything here for me like I like I want you all to go away like this is mine I want it now like ring pythons have become popular <laughs> crap I want I want ring pythons and now they're all up there and everybody's got them and they're expensive and I'm like all right I'll wait. Well, to a certain extent, the more things you talk about and the things that you get into, the mm-hmm. more people get into those things because they hear you over. Yeah, so I, I, I hate to tell secret. you, but Don't shit, tell me. you're fucking yourself here. I should really stop talking about stuff. <laughs> I should really just stop. Because like I didn't give a shit about a giant hog nose until right now, and then now it's all about it. No, <laughs> no, we're not. No, like, that no. seems like a possibility. No, that's no, not no. a possibility. We're it, not. No, no, it, it's fine. When are you guys moving to Pennsylvania? Well, we also we was supposed to be July first. Okay. It's, now it's August. All right. Well, but... they're not going anywhere, and you guys can always come over and check out my stuff, and then that'll just hammer that nail home. And you know, it'll be like, aren't these cool? Yeah. Probably more likely <laughs> to go Savu Maclots. Either one. Any... They're they're all here, yeah. and they're not going anywhere. So yeah. Well, we will be coming to collect our king snake that we got in the voucher. If you have king snakes left, uh oh, don't crush my bubble, Owen. You, you mean the uh, Lavi Kelkings? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm like, they're they're cooking still. I got Yay. them. There. There's nine eggs. I mean, one of them's gonna be there. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one of them has to make it. So yeah. <laughs> All but, right, so we got a female from that. Just so you hey, know, I got you. Sure that's up right now. You yeah. can't tell us female if they're just being born. Well, I'm saying in the future. That's so we're gonna wait. Then so you... we can sex it before we get it? Well, every female that I get is a male. So uh, <laughs> if you could just give us a male, it probably wouldn't matter. I will try to find, uh, I will do my best to uh, determine the sex of the uh, king snakes. And if I find one that I believe is female, I will set it aside. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I will attempt to do everything I can to verify the sex <laughs> of it before you get it. So we'll do everything we can. But, Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Others have been less thorough. 
<laughs> yeah, I've been there too. Uh, then was, again, uh, I've probably sold fucking <laughs> females as males or males as females, whatever it is. But yeah. I really try not to, and I try to pop uh, everything the second it hatches because it's a lot easier that way. But you can't be a hundred percent all the time. And the funniest thing is, I had kept back a few females of my own to breed for myself. <laughs> And one would not just would not. It's like her, this was her third year going. And I'm like, no eggs, no eggs. I'm like, holy shit. I kept a male like I kept the wrong thing for myself. I screwed myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then like I, and then I and then she I came in uh, one day and she was around a pile of eggs. I'm like, damn, I'm good. Yes. So like, and then I was like, oh, so like I, I've done it correctly for once. It Yeah. So. It can happen. You just got to kind of roll with it. But uh, I try to keep everything. I try to sex everything as soon as I can, just for my knowledge and, and for customer knowledge. Yeah. And it's smart to sex it before you buy another snake and then realize <laughs> you have two males. Oh, I bought that. I bought yeah. a pair. Well, I had a female that I raised up for like four years. And like, finally, I'm going to get that male and then put them together. Bought that male. We got two males. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's all. That is how my carpet collection expanded beyond two snakes because I got my first one and then I got a uh, male for it and then they both turned out to be boys. And I'm like, crap. And then I got a third one and that one turned out to be a boy. So I'm like, oh damn it. So then I just bought nothing but females for like three years. Because at that point I was like, this sucks. So I had, um, I just had a bunch of them uh, after that. But that's how it expanded to... You know, I'm like, I'll oh, get a pair. And then like 12 of them later, I'm like, good. I have females now. Yes. <laughs> Wait, wasn't I only supposed to get like two? We're like, yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. So how um, prevalent are you in doing shows and stuff like that? Uh, I was more prevalent in the past. We'll say with that. Uh, I used to be able to do every Hamburg show for a year. Um, and then I used to do the Oaks reptile show as well as, um, Tinley park once a year. I think that that's only recent though. Eric and I started doing that recently. Mm -hmm. Um, but with Hamburg, if you miss a show, you lose your table. <laughs> um, wow. I keep screwing that up where I like, you know, I have to miss a show for like a wedding or something like that. And then I don't have my table. So the running gag of all the carpet breeders here is like, and Owen might have a table if he, unless he screwed that up again. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, he did. So, you know, it's one of those things I'll get back into Hamburg. And that's usually one where I, I like the haunt because, uh, I'm set up behind Matt Minatola so I can help him out with his table. He helps me out with my table. And it's always good to have a friend at the show, especially in the shows where either it's slow or it's freaking hot or, you know, they, everybody who comes up to talk to you says nothing nice. And um, just, wants to, oh, you <laughs> oh, my God, it was. And that's the thing is, is that um, uh, apparently I'm quick with my responses when it comes to that kind of stuff where apparently like the. <laughs> Uh, there's a rumor out there. I don't really, <laughs> not sure. I'm really, I'm not. More research is needed. But um, they come over and they're like, "So what's the bottom on this?" And they point like at one of my towers and points at one of my carpets. And I'm like, "The bottom is made of acrylic, and that is all." And they're like, oh. and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "No, dude. Like, you don't. This isn't a used car lot. Come talk to me. Some say things. This isn't. You know, they. I'm not trying to do this crap. Like, just." 
no, what is the bottom on this? The hell? Like, you know, and that's that's pretty much where it stems from. And I've had a few times where people ask to see an animal and they have it in their hand and then they pull the listen, dude, I have two hundred dollars cash in my pocket right now for you. Sticker says six hundred. Yeah, but I got two hundred bucks cash. Well, congratulations. Give me back my snake. You're like, and that's where it goes. But sometimes you just kind of get fed up with that kind of stuff. So well. I mean, for me, it's from $25 to $10. So you should feel lucky because that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I have some I mean, random stranger coming to my house off of Craigslist. He's like, I know you said 25 bucks, but I got 10. And I'm like, there's well, the door. So, how yeah. would I be able to feed myself if I didn't have your 10 bucks? $10. Thank you, sir. Like, no, it's, it, and that's, and that's kind of what I've said a few times with NPR is that. You know, you've got the animals, you're the breeder, you've done all the work, you've done all this stuff. These are your animals and take pride in that. And if don't let somebody push you around just because they think that you desperately need the money for this snake. And I've refused sales because it's just like, no, no. It, and and the same thing goes around with shipping. Don't ever let somebody shove you around and tell you what to do about shipping your animals. Um, they want your animal. And if they want your animal, they will do what you want to get your animal safely and securely. And that's it. I had some guy today that says, I'm going to text you over my credit card numbers. You're going to run it. And then you're going to put the snake on a plane tonight, right? I'm like, no. So, number one, I don't take credit cards over a phone or the internet. That sounds super sketchy. Yeah. And number two, dude, like, uh, and my excuse is usually, oh, they just ate. I'm not sending it out tonight. Like, I do not feel comfortable about taking payments and then immediately sending snakes because that's where people get scammed. Credit cards stolen, PayPal's get returned. And by then the snake is already in on a plane and you can't get it back. So I usually like to do the whole pay me and then we'll set up shipping and we'll talk it out, slow the process down. And that's where you can really find a bunch of scammers and stuff like that. I had some guy contact me through Facebook telling me he wanted to buy three snakes uh, totaling at about like 800 bucks was going to send me his credit card information. I clicked on his Facebook page. It just had a profile picture and nothing else. Googled the dude's name, found the real guy living in Texas, not Chicago. Like this guy was all this other stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So it's like, just it, it, a lot of times you just got to slow the process down. Do you use uh ship your reptiles? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I was, I was, I've been I've been doing this since back in the day when you had to get approval from FedEx to ship snakes. And you actually had to do this by sending them a test box with a <laughs> little rubber snake in it. And then they would, I've never even I, heard of that. It was fan fucking plastic. Um, you had to you had to send them a box with a snake in it and they would send you back a form that said that you did it correctly. And then they would stamp your FedEx number and then you were allowed to ship reptiles through FedEx. Now. No FedEx place at that time wanted to take the snakes and they would do everything in their power to not take the snakes. So it was constantly a shouting match like at my local FedEx place to take the package that I have approval for to ship to you guys. Please just do it. So and then they, they were afraid of killing it or all, afraid of it like killing them. It was afraid of them of, of it killing them. And it was constantly I've had to walk snakes to a truck. I've been on the phone with FedEx um, who had a 
snake in a truck in Arizona that they were refusing to deliver because nobody wanted to touch it. Oh like it, it, that, the ship your reptiles and other companies like it are a godsend because they deal with all this crap. And if you don't do this, what the, they, they, it, exactly they remove you from the process and it's so much easier so yes i use uh ship your reptiles completely uh with them and uh <laughs> the uh avoid all the old fedex stuff i've had snakes shipped to me with the tag that they were fragile computer parts because I people mean, couldn't do it <laughs> i've had some weird so they just like lie so oh yeah they pick lie. It up. was um they used to call them uh mixed nuts or something like that or some sort of food thing this way it would be <laughs> taken care of while it was in route but like i think i was in college and i had a snake shipped to me from texas um and it had it didn't didn't make the time it didn't arrive and of course i had it shipped out on thursday to arrive on a friday uh amateur, amateur mistake <laughs> like you know <laughs> dumb uh so of course it goes to a fedex sorting facility because it's labeled as nothing but fragile computer parts I'm like oh psh, box on a shelf and uh i had to drive around new jersey to go get it and i got there right before they shut down right before they closed because i went to one place they told me it was on a truck already headed to this other place i had to drive there and get it and i managed to grab her and uh my girlfriend at the time was pissed <laughs> because like you know we were supposed to do other things but like no we have to save the baby snake in the box and oh yeah it would, did not go well <laughs> so um, but yeah it uh yeah I, I much prefer it now where things are all out in the open and safer so yeah and fedex will still fuck it up at some point yeah yeah i mean did enough of course, delays happen, and they don't really, like you know they they kick the box for all I'm concerned with. So just pack them in tight, and they'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like shipper reptiles is the best. Wait, I can hear myself. I know. Sorry, I blamed Owen before. I don't know if it's <laughs> really him. Bit... If I lean away from my microphone, like yeah, is it yeah. is my MPR microphone too good? Like did Eric <laughs> make me buy? <laughs> and maybe. Know. It I, only I happens every so often. That was weird. Sorry. You're good. Um, I don't know. I just feel like the rates on sometimes on ship your reptiles are a little. Well, bit you're absurd. you don't have a base of where we're at, so it's like it was a little high. I feel for the last it was year. Like one time it was like eighty bucks to ship, like something crazy. Yeah, just a few states over. It yeah. Was, when I was starting, it was like ten bucks to ship to the Eastern Seaport for me from Pennsylvania like 30 40 dollars for midwest and then like 50 dollars to california now it's like 50 dollars to most of the eastern seaport unless it's like the next state over 60 bucks in the midwest and it's almost 80 90 dollars out to california See? and that's i think that's just indicative of like you know the time um like prices are going up as well as you know companies like fedex might agree to it doesn't mean they're happy about it so they may try to a little tax sweeten the deal jump jump the price up a little bit to make it better for them worth it also so some people are like screw that i'm not gonna do it and then they don't cool and we don't have to do it so it's one of those things where it sucks you kind of got to deal with it and i've had a few people who um want to negotiate shipping um which i'm like hey uh, i can mess with the price on the snake all you want but i can't really talk about shipping that's not me that's somebody else so Unless you want to call ship your reptiles, sorry. So, uh, but I do try to work with everybody. But yeah, shipping sucks sometimes. And I did used to do flat shipping, like fifty mm. bucks flat shipping, like a couple years ago, but not anymore. 
Well, it just sucks. Like, I understand. Times go on. Stuff gets more expensive. But our corn snakes are still 20. I remember <laughs> when gum was a nickel. God damn it. <laughs> exactly. You... Ours are still the same uh... price. So it's like, it's so hard to sell a $25 snake when someone has to pay $80 for Yeah, shipping. we can't ship anything like... under $100. And then you people are, are pissed s- off. You guys are slowly transitioning into the grumpy reptile people. It shows <laughs> where I am now. Where I'm like, in my day... Ring ring pythons were everywhere. It's like it's that kind of stuff. It's like you'll get there where it's like you kind of get used to it or you move past it. But yeah, it, it it's one of those things that it's part of the hobby where I think people might even start sticking around and dealing with more local breeders just to avoid shipping rates, which is fine. Like, all right, whatever. Well, when you live in Pennsylvania, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. There's there's plenty of shows in PA. But... I mean, and then it's also, it's why I think some of the other bigger shows like Daytona, Tinley Park, uh, Sacramento, they're so pumped up is because people go out there for the show and then like, well, since I'm here, might as well pick up the snake I've always been wanting because now I don't have to ship it. It, you know, I'll drive it back with me or, you know, whatever. So they do that kind of stuff where kind of make the uh, hold off on those big payments until it's right in front of them. Mm Mm-hmm. So were you involved as heavily in the reptile community beforehand, like before NPR like that? Or was that kind of your way to get out there? I was the weird kid that hung out at Jason Balin's table and went, gee, Mr. Balin, I really like your tigers. And he's like, (laughs) that's like, that was pretty much it. Like, you know, that was, uh, I I had had some interactions, but NPR is really what boosted uh, me into the reptile community as well as uh, Rogue. So, um, I mean... And like I said, was saying before the show, it's like without NPR, I probably would be one of the most private people in the world. Like I wouldn't let it. I'd Is let that it why you're choose. so good with people? No. Yeah, I know. Right. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I try my best. But it's the thing is that uh, it, without NPR, I'd probably just be one of those guys that breeds the snakes and you got to like track them down because you didn't have Facebook or you know, you have to find them like at the yeah, show in the corner. <laughs> it's not happening. Exactly. So, you know, it, it would be like that, but uh, you know, I wouldn't trade anything uh, for M- NPR. Like, you know, doing that has been fantastic and uh, been probably one of the most fun things ever. Uh, and then especially when it led to things like Carpa Fest and uh, other things like that. And I think now they got five, uh, Carpet Fest in the United States with the first one international starting next year in Britain. So that's just one of those things you're just going to want to. That's probably one of the things I'm most proud of with that. So even though I am private, I definitely would not trade NPR for anything. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I just, I just keep on this person. That's a person for the fucking Craigslist ad that I just mentioned. <laughs> it's a business call, damn it. Damn it. Tell him that we're recording a podcast. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Go fuck himself until like a half hour from now. What are you doing? <laughs> this has been like the most interrupted show of all time. And I blame eh, Melissa. Sounds about right. You know, that's, <laughs> I would figure that would be my show. I mean, like, you know, you know, Eric's were, Eric's went smooth as shit. Yeah. You know, was... <laughs> so what, what shows, I mean, when you were getting into this, I mean, you were probably going to Hamburg and all that. And like, how did you first get into what you're into now besides Chris? Um, 
uh, trying to figure out how to word this. Uh, what what drew me into the pythons besides yeah, Chris? And stuff yeah. like that? Well, um, in college, I worked at the small animal lab on campus, taking care of the the animals they use for the teaching um, parts and stuff like that. And they had a box of like like a case of old magazines or something like that that like had gone to the library and then been brought over to there. And it was filled with nothing but old reptiles magazines and a bunch of other crazy magazines and brochures and crap. So going through like uh, on a because I worked there in the summer, you'd finish up all your work at like noon, but you had to stay there till at least two o'clock. So we'd all just be hanging out trying to figure something out or we'd be scrubbing once part of the lab. So on days where we were all just hanging out, I'd always be thumbing through a reptiles magazine, just checking it out. And uh, Will Leary did an article about breeding carpet pythons. And then there were several articles about diamond pythons. And there was a whole big interview with Steve Irwin. And he's talking about Australian species and stuff like that. So it just kind of led to the, I kind of really want this thing. I kind of want to really check this thing out. I, I These things look really cool. These things look amazing. And uh, I ended up stealing a few of those reptiles magazines to bring back to my dorm room. And like, I read them until they were falling apart and uh, ended up just kind of cutting out uh, pictures. And it's funny because with the Will Leary article, uh, he talked about Tiger Jags back before Tiger Jags were even a thing. I think he did a breeding loan with Jason to bring about the first couple because Jason had the Tigers, Will had the Jags and that was it. So we, I had this picture of this Tiger Jag. I just like taped on my computer in college and it would just kind of like just be there and i kind of always like just check it out really kind of one day i'll have a snake this cool and stuff like that so um that really is kind of what hammered it home for me after i got the first carpet python it was just like i really want to just keep these things breed these things and i want to make something just like that one day so uh probably one of the projects that i've kept around for the longest time has been my tiger jack project just because I love it. I love a good tiger jack. <laughs> so I mean, it's just cool looking. So yeah. And was, you haven't you haven't made a super jack yet? I have not made a super jack because it'd be <laughs> white and dead. But um, and I I always thought of the breeding jag the jag pointless because you're wasting half your clutch or part of your clutch, and there's so many other cool shit you could throw to a jag to make non-dead white babies so you know that's just what i do so i try to avoid it as best i can there was a year i think two years ago where i'm like shit all my boys are jags i'm like i need non-jag boys so i had to run out and like uh trade with howard to get a a tiger um which nothing is ever easy with mr redding so but yeah but it's (laughs) funny it's always funny the first well, the first time I met Howard, <laughs> I went to the show in Havre de Grace and I didn't know anybody there. And I was talking to Jason Balin and this guy comes walking up to me on my side and I kind of turn and I look at him and he goes, hi, I'm Howard. Would you like a balloon? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? And he goes, would you like a balloon? And I'm like, I, he goes, that's a yes. And he ties a balloon to my wrist and he goes, that's so it won't float away. And then he walks away like some sort of villain from a Stephen King movie. Like, I'm like, who the hell was that? And just like, that's Howard. And I'm like, what the? He was giving balloons away at his table to get people to talk to him and stuff like that. So he's just walking around handing out balloons because it was a slow day. And that was the first interaction with Howard. So, you know, that's 
he's been a trip ever since. So <laughs> that's amazing. Oh yeah. So I mean, it started off probably six years ago. Carpet pythons now, since there's all these cool morphs, man, they're very <laughs> popular and people know about them. But like, what's the shift that you've seen in the hobby since when you started the show to now? When when the thing is, we started the show after the big kind of balloon of carpet pythons had, had like started, um, because when I was getting my carpet pythons, we had tigers, tristripes, um, jags. And that was it at a coastal. And then there was no morphs in jungles, no more, no morph in IJ. Um, so after I started with my carpet python, zebra came into jungle and uh, granite showed up in IJ. So now these things may have been around, but they were not in the public eye. So all that stuff started coming to be, it, it stopped moving away from really the line breeding of carpet pythons to the morph breeding of carpet pythons. So there was the tiger line and then there were certain tri-stripe lines, but those all kind of started falling by the wayside because, and then everything just became a tiger with stripes. That's it. It's just a tiger. And then everything was being crossed into Jags. So a lot of the really kind of pinpointed line breeding was kind of just mixed in with Jags. You know, all the IJ stuff was mixed in with Jags. Uh, Michael Pennell stuff was mixed into tiger or Jag. And then there were very few of those things kind of going. Um, so there was definitely a lot of that where the shift came into the producing of the morphs. You know, they're just breeding the wobble out. That's it. Oh, yeah. Any, any day now it'll be done. Like, you know, any day now it'll be over. But, but now, I mean, you barely see Jags around. Mm -hmm. Not nearly as much as you did. It's a it's a shift. It's a flow. I mean, you don't everybody has Jags. Everybody has Jags now that are mixed with three other things. So why do I need a normal Jag? It's. One of the things where I think now we're starting to get back more into the line breeding of wild type because you want to start making really, really good base model and then bringing the morph into that, you know, line breeding your coastals to get insane colors and then crossing the jag or the exanic into it and really getting the colors to pop and or people taking even just straight up exanics and just trying to get the really nice colored ones out. And especially with the, the introduction of the localities and certain things like Rock Rockhampton and Brisbane. So it, it's these things shift around. They move around. It's 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 never going to be one way forever. So and that kind of flows into something that you said earlier. You're like, oh, like, yeah, this is really cool. And then eventually things like cool down as far as, uh, you know, it would have been really cool to have Darwin's and then there's Darwin mm -hmm. albinos and then there's fucking all this other shit. I'm sorry. But things just get. Um... Eric. <laughs> Is it Eric? Is yeah, it here. Eric? <laughs> I don't need you. My time. No, but it was a compliment. Oh, really? And then no, stay. <laughs> Please don't go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because totally it seems like uh, we've been neglecting all these species where we haven't been able to get them. And then they show up and then we like them and then we don't like them like two years later. Well, it, it's it's market saturation. I mean, uh, ring pythons at a certain point, they couldn't give them away. Uh, everybody had them. Everybody had a pair and everybody's pairs were breeding cool tons of them so they were couldn't give them away and then only a choice few people kept them and then everybody else got rid of theirs males died or females died or pairs got split and something happened until eventually you didn't have any or barely any and then the price got back up 
the same thing went with um, monkey-tailed skinks. They were uh, everywhere until they became classified as you couldn't import them. Then they were rare as hell. You know, people who had bought them for like a hundred bucks were selling them for thirteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Now you can import them again. So now they're slowly going back down. So these things always change like that. And I think we had Nick, it was one of the first episodes we ever had Nick on. And he started talking about how there were certain Python species that were here that now have to be re-imported because we let the base animals die out. And now we have to bring them back into the country to breed them again, to get more of them again. So it's one of those things you kind of want to try to hopefully prevent i mean that's why owen doesn't have dunce pythons that's why owen will get dunce pythons soon be better because <laughs> someone else i guess is doing that legwork to get him in the i place. know I'm, I'm waiting for i i, I don't know a little guy up there I, I know a guy in you know the other side of the country uh, who you know got a bunch of tattoos and writes books um who uh could uh possibly help me out with that later on but we'll wait for him so when you get um wild caught animals into your collection um what's your like keeping strategy for them keep them away from my stuff (laughs) how long do you do Um, do you do like preventative yes yeah all of it um yes yes to everything um what i do (laughs) is um i definitely have a quarantine procedure when it comes with any animal it is usually about uh 30 to 60 days and coming from like friends or anything else. It just has to be that way. So, uh, for wild caught stuff, I will almost push it to 90 days if I have to. Oh, wow. And that's a quarantine okay. in a different part of my house. Cause I only got one. Um, and Darn. I know, Come right. It always have my quarantine. You, house. Yeah, like, you need a quarantine suck. house. Come on. I gotta sell more pythons. Um, but, <laughs> um, have a quarantine house. Soon. Wait, you just wait soon. (laughs) Um, But what I would do is I would usually put them in my office and they're on a strict quarantine thing where it's like they're the last, either they're the last snakes I service in the day or I save them for a different day than when I service my animals downstairs. Done. Um, And the preventative is obviously the mite treatment once they come in, whether that be Nyx or Ivermectin. And then kind of assess the first couple uh, poops for uh, anything that I might have to treat internal. Usually people who are bringing in snakes are pretty good about treating for internal parasites, but you still might have to use some flagell or something like that to clear them out. Happens. Uh, if they're eating and they're shedding and everything looks good after 90 days, uh, I'll think about bringing them back downstairs and then kind of, you know, dick around for a week maybe before I actually do it. But usually it's uh, 90 days is at least the minimum before I bring them downstairs. And it's a clock. So if a new animal enters quarantine, everybody in quarantine starts a 90-day clock again. So Because now there's something brand new here. Whoa. Yep. So it's just the way to think about it where people kind of tend to get burned a little bit is if they have a snake in quarantine, it clears quarantine. And right before they take it out of quarantine, they get a new snake into quarantine and then now it technically everybody in that room is now potentially contaminated. I didn't so think about that. That's why everything's got to stop there. So uh, as long as everything's good, they go downstairs and they join it. Where people tend to get into trouble is breeding season. They really want to get eggs. They really want to get breeding and they really want to do breed loans. And they get somebody to send them a snake 
and they don't think and they take it downstairs and they throw it in the cage with the female and it's the even with the best of intentions you know it, it, you may not know what's going on with your snake i mean you may not intentionally have sent anybody a sick snake or a mite ridden snake or anything like that but you don't know and then you'll feel horrible if that person ends up having a problem so I would always suggest at least a 30 day quarantine for everything. And so. do you keep everything um, you were saying, bring it downstairs. Do you keep everything together once it's out of quarantine? Yep. Uh, I have, I have one room where everybody is. And then I have a side room where my freezer and my incubator is. And I have one rack set up in there too. So usually all the pythons and most of the colubrids are in the central room. And then I have some of the larger colubrids off into the side room. Is that room to expand or is that you're really supposed to keep it to that one room? Um, well, I, I try to keep it to one room, um, but there are like reptiles on every level of the house. Right? So like that got messed up. Um, so because there is right now currently the room full of snakes downstairs. Can't miss it. It's a room full of snakes. There's the side room. Then there is a giant tank in my living room full of mangrove monitors. And then there are four cages full of Nile monitors set up in my office and a beaded lizard. So what is your setup with the whole monitor thing? Because I've heard you talk about it, but. Um, hey, uh, one of my best friends is a guy named by the name of uh, Andrew Llewellyn. And Andrew breeds a lot of uh, blackthroat monitors as well as other monitor species. And he and I kind of worked out this thing of like, if you have overflow, dude, I'll hang on to it and vice versa. So, um, and he sent me over some baby Niles and they were working out with me and then his mangroves got too big for their cage and I have this big living room tank. So I'm like, hey, cool. They can hang out here for a bit. And then they never left. Like they're just still here. So eventually uh, I'll kick them out. But uh, I got eggs from the mangroves this year. So I'm apparently doing that right. You know, go figure. Um, and then uh, the beaded was something I just wanted to play around with. And he's cool. Um I don't trust him and he's kind of scary, but you know, <laughs> thinking about, Oh yeah, that's a venomous animal. So it's, you kind of got to remind yourself, but the monitors are really just here until Andrew decides he wants to take them back or uh, get rid of them. So I just kind of mess around with them, which is, it's okay. Uh, it's kind of a nice little thing. You get to play with lizards and not have to worry about their upkeep or uh, their expenses because he covers all that, but I get to play and feed lizards. So yeah. Okay, so that's not bad because it's like uh, snakes and lit and monitors. It's not a one for one there. Obviously, one is <laughs> much more difficult to keep, and then also has worse consequences. But what were you gonna say? Nothing. Oh, you looked like you were gonna say something. Oh no, I had something in my eye. Oh wow, cool. <laughs> well, the other thing is that uh, I buy a bag of like ten rats. I can feed ten snakes with that. He can feed one monitor with that bag of rats if it's a really really bad day. So kind of one of those things oh i thought of one okay. um, <laughs> you talked about breeding loans earlier is that something you're into you kind of are like oh not worth it um the thing is is that and you kind of know that you've somewhat made it um as a snake breeder or at least in popularity or word of mouth when some random person at a reptile show who you've never met offers to send you his prized animal for 
like just take it you breed it and then send me the babies it's like well who are you and why would i do that it's like no dude and you know that's happened before so uh with breed loans i have done them in the past i've had some stuff kind of go wrong in the past with breed loans whether animals uh die or animals get sick or no breeding happens or this that and the other thing or the animal you sent me is a boy what the hell dude and that kind of stuff <laughs> so i really just don't do them anymore i have um i'd much rather have the if we're if i'm going to breed an animal it needs to be mine so and that's that's it i mean not even with eric not even with eric um well and that's not true he and i sent ship <laughs> he and i swapped brettles this year um but <laughs> damn it i broke my own rule um no but uh even when it comes with Eric, it's um, animals that anything would come through breed loan have to come through quarantine. So if we're going to do a breed loan, you better give it to me way in advance, half a year way in, advance, way in advance. And by then it's yeah. I mean, so I try to really I don't really do breed loans. It, Eric is probably the only exception when it comes to that kind of stuff. Damn it. We need some male olive and yeah, that's exactly. That's exactly uh, cool. Well, you know, some olive help. <laughs> Look at it this way: if I can get one of them to breed, I'll get rid of the other one. I just need one of them to do something. Maybe ours is the one. Owen. I don't know. It, it's a it compatibility issue. You know? <laughs> oh, and that's some bullshit too. That they got me on some white lip stuff too. It's like, oh, compatibility is a thing. All right, just make sure they don't kill each other. That's all you really need. It's yeah. So we'll yeah. bring our Texas flavor <laughs> Pennsylvania bland olive yeah, I mean, yeah. come on gotta add some seasoning in That's there it. she just needs some he needs some spice in his life he can't <laughs> deal with her come on look at her he looks exactly like me <laughs> dude just yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah well one project that I know is really close to your heart you could say uh rough scales where <laughs> are you is that a fact that I, like you know I actually have one tattooed like right here on my body? No, no, or, that's okay. creepier than I okay, thought. Okay, it's even weird now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> now we're getting to the good part of the show. Um, the the roughies were something that I never thought I'd like actually own. Like you saw them in a picture in a book, and you're like, eh, it's a weird little bumpy python. And I, I forget where we actually had. I forget what the show where we actually talked about them. I think it may have actually been right around the time when Nick was putting out the complete carpet python. And I wanted one and I just really kind of wanted to get into them. And some guy out in California offered me a pair of boys. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. Like, and he's like, I'll trade you three carpet pythons for these two rough scales. And I'm like, I, I, I don't think I could like type. I think I was just like hitting the keyboard as fast as I can to try to type yes. Um, and I got the two uh, male roughies, my first two. Um, and I was just happy as a clam to have them just to, like, and I'm like, I'll figure out the breeding later. It's like, I don't need girls. It's like you do. So <laughs> I, I kind of just kept growing them up and I got them pretty big. I got the, uh, I got them close to adult size. Um, and then I couldn't find girls for the life of me. I just kept finding, um, people who were not either willing to sell lone females or there were no large girls out there. So, uh, I ended up sending my one boy to Nick because Nick had a pair and his boy wasn't doing shit. So every single freaking rough scale boy that Nick has ever produced out of his stuff is from my mail. And I'm like, that's a kick in the shorts right there. Like, but it's awesome for him. Like, that's great. 
And I love. Oh, so you got at least a little kickback. No, no, I didn't. No, we didn't. I didn't. I didn't want it. And Nick uh, wanted. Nick had the same thing I did with breed loans. It was, you yeah. know, it was a thing. So, you know, those are those are Nick's animals, and you know, Nick did all the freaking legwork and all that stuff. So totally all him. But you know, you're it was supposed just, to say here. I'll give you this male for no, it, much less, and then you give me a female. When well, actually, he gave me some exanic stuff, so that's where the basis of all my ah, exanic So <laughs> I really, I really can't complain. And I mean, it's fun watching uh, people that I know buy ruffies from Nick, knowing that Romulus is their father. So it's really kind of cool to have that thing going, and I, I love that. Um, and then now I finally have. Uh, I had the older male. I, had, I still had that one male, and he ended up getting a mouth infection, which could not kick, and he ended up dying, which was like devastating. Is that but just that, a large teeth kind of? I think so. Mouth? I don't know. He didn't. I, I, I vets all the time, and way more money than I probably ever should have spent on a single snake. But you know, uh, but he ended up passing, and then we ended up. Uh, now I have a trio of ruffies because I ended up getting a pair last last year or two years ago from Dave D as well as a female, I think a year before. So I'm inching towards getting them to breed. And uh, Eric keeps telling me, I think the, the one of the running gags of the show is that I'll never do maternal incubation, but somebody showed me once that when rough scales do maternal incubation, you can see the imprint of their scales on the eggs. Cause it's a rough like keeled scale. And I kind of want to see that. So I don't know. If part of me would be like torn between take the eggs, she doesn't know what she's doing and they're valuable to, but you won't get the cool imprint on the shell, Owen. So I don't know. We'll I'm sure you that. only have to leave them there for like five days. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, like, oh, cool. <laughs> You've had them for a week. Give me. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's how it's probably going to end up going. So, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm hopefully you'll see how they go in the next uh, year or so. What draws you to those? And then obviously you don't keep chondros and stuff like that. So what's the draw? kept chondros and they annoyed me but um the um the the draw for the ruffies is um their eyes it they have these gorgeous kind of bluish gray eyes and it it offsets on their entire body with the cold kind of brown and cream colored so they can definitely when you take a nice picture of them you can see uh the color that comes through with them also that they have this threat display that you don't see in anything else when they like take their bottom jaw and just flail it out. Um, and I've only ever seen it like twice. So, um, and uh, it was when I got my first pair, uh, the first two boy rough scales, they came uh, during a winter storm uh, with like those glove heat packs that you have in the box. Excellent. I mean, and again, this is why I will never do another shipping company other than ship your reptiles. I called Robin and told him what was going. And I think they like, they must have sent like calls and emails to everybody at FedEx trying to find this package and get it to like a FedEx facility and I'll go get it and stuff like that. But it did end up getting delivered to me and they were like freezing cold. I thought both animals were dead when I opened the box and I pulled out the one and he flailed out his jaw and tried to kill me. And I'm like, okay, you're good. Oh, thank God you're alive. It's like, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and that's the only other time I've seen it, but uh, they're just so cool when it comes to that and the feel of them and the fact that it looks just like this angry kind of pissed off Condro. So, mm -hmm. what were you saying? Nothing. Wow. Oh, okay. Secrets. Uh, 
we were just looking at pictures of rough scales, but are there any other, um, I mean, obviously there's things that have stayed true throughout the years of shit that you keep. Mm. And it's like, you're always into white lips, probably yeah. Mac class as well as rough scales and stuff like that. Out of those big projects, which one do you want to see breed for? Like, which one would you be most psyched about breeding? It's hard because, um, the, as much as I've, as many carpets of I've, that I've produced, I've only ever produced um, coastals and jungles. I mean, I couldn't even get my IJs to breed, and that's the running gag of NPR, too. Um, I had to send them to Jason Phelan. I know, there's a lot of crap. <laughs> Six years worth of this stuff. Um, but um, so I, I never actually got the other python species that I was working with to ever breed. That's why my Womas this year was like, oh, cool, these are all excited. And then they're all like duds. So I would probably be the most excited for the rough scales. But I think the biggest payoff or the longest payoff would be like the Maclots. I mean, that would be awesome to see. So, I mean, I would say just by judging by everyone else, I mean, your most probable pairing would probably be the rough scales, right? Yeah. I mean, the roughies are like, if they breed, I, you guys might not even see the babies. Like they just might all be mine. <laughs> so like, yeah. Oh, good. More. It's like, that's. That, that that might be one of the things where I, I start redoing the room to make more room for rough scales and start selling off other stuff. So uh, it would definitely be probably them. Dallas in the chat asked if you name all your snakes, snakes or use the standard XX1234 labeling method. Jesus Christ. I name every single one of them. <laughs> every single one of them, uh, except for babies that are for sale. Uh, so even my holdbacks as tiny ones get names so and i do that partially for myself because i want to have a name to scream in it when it's pissing me off um or trying to like bite me uh and then it's also for uh family tree stuff if somebody contacts me and says i have a baby from this one i'd be like okay yeah yeah that looks like one of hers you know that kind of stuff so uh i mean and the other thing is that because i went to school in an agricultural school and i messed around and you know with all the 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 people that were doing the horse stuff with horses they have a theme for the year and they name all the babies that theme for the year or they hey they take names of parents and play the kids names off of the parents so i started kind of doing that kind of stuff it makes it a lot easier because when you have 93 of them currently that's not including all the crap that i've had over the years it's hard to try to try to not repeat names <laughs> so uh it's really just kind of a play off of that kind of stuff so um my first couple i had talon and trinity bred them together and got my baby boy echo and his name was echo because he looked like his father and then echo produced soundwave who soundwave is what's kicking around right now he's downstairs and uh echo also produced maya uh, or emma and uh, all this other kind of shit so it's either way to easy ways to trace this stuff so when Dr. Ben came on and said that he can like plot family trees through like snake sheds and genes, like, I don't know if he knows what he did by telling me that I could send him sheds because I'm just going to send him like the whole family tree at some point and be like, map it. Like, you know, tell me what's happening, like this kind of stuff. So it's, uh, it, it's the part, that's the part I really enjoy actually is the family tree stuff. So. And how do you name then the babies? I have that either either there's a book 
or a movie that I was watching. Like a lot of times, like you can tell when I was reading Game of Thrones books because you just see all the characters appear downstairs. So, um, and the same thing goes with a bunch of other things like that. Um, but the other thing is I'll also text friends and be like, uh, I have a snake, needs a name. And they'll throw a bunch of names at me and be like, I like it. And then done. And then especially if I have something for a theme with this kind of stuff where it's like the Madagascan hogs, I'm like, your theme is alcohol. Give me three. Go. So I got whiskey. I got vodka. And I got uh, Riesling downstairs and, you know, a bunch of other shit. So, yeah, it's just the way it goes. It's just texting random people and be like, name this snake for me, please. So, yeah. And now the the baby's for sale. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean oh, so no, but how do you label them when they're for sale? Do you just oh. put them up individually or Ooh. do you give them their own? They get their own code. And uh, partially that is played off of their parents' names. So the code, let's, the example is the jungles I just hatched were from uh, Punch and Chase. So mom's initial goes first, PC. And then 2018 dash male or female. And then the number that came out of the egg. That's it. Straightforward. It's an easy way to plot it. I have a question off topic. Do you have a question on topic? Keep on. We're not on the tracks anymore. There's no dude. tracks. Never that tracks. went off in the first hour well, for sure. It goes off every episode, but I, I try to preface my questions if you have one, but it never stays linear. Um, <laughs> NPR, when did you like acknowledge that y'all were number one? <laughs> uh, when everyone else fell out i mean yeah when everyone else left it was like um which you know i i talked about this before the show these things are um these things come in waves you know people try podcasts people try youtube channels stuff like that and people stop people go away people decide not to do it anymore or some people stick around and then there's usually like a wave of less and less people and there's a ton of people all of a sudden and then there's less and less and less so but with npr we just kept it consistent and kept going because you know eric's a slave driver <laughs> <laughs> hi buddy um but you know it's like the um that was the whole thing we just hammered home with consistency because uh, you know watch 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 my uh message feed on a wednesday when npr had one of those technical difficulties when we couldn't air a show, it lights up. Where's NPR? What happened? I, I had nothing to listen to on my ride home. Okay. All right. Sorry. We're sorry. So we just kept going with it. So with the acknowledgement of it being number one, I think it was when uh, just when Carpet Fest started exploding. Because if we weren't popular, Carpet Fest would have never gotten off the ground. And or no one was listening, Carpet Fest would have never gotten off the ground. And if no one was listening or no one was getting excited about the stuff we were saying there wouldn't be five of them with the sixth one overseas like it would never have happened so mm-hmm. and i had heard on the latest uh nick mutton episode eric apparently told him that he was gonna make a moralia only podcast and i think nick told him that it was never gonna dumb happen. idea yeah <laughs> there was numerous people who told us we were stupid like uh the first time i went up to nerd um which is the new england reptile something something um i forget the whole probably thing. distributors but probably I'll, I'll it go something, something. i don't know um first time i went up to nerd they were all very nice and very cool and uh they were like this is the guy from these are the guys from npr and they're like who the hell would listen to a podcast about nothing but morelia pythons and i'm like well 
I'm like, and we'd already been doing it for three years at that point. I'm like, apparently a few people like, you know, it's like, I got it. We know reptile radio was already taken. We're sorry. So it's, we just kind of keep rolling. You would think that out of all the things, there'd be a fucking ball python podcast or something that sticks around because right. those are people would actually listen. But it's like it, we it, like weird stuff and we stick around. It depends on the hosts. I mean, and, and and you know, people have multiple reasons for stepping away from podcasts and stuff like that, whether it be time, financial, life. It it it's one of those things. Eric and I have just been fortunate enough to keep rolling with it. We haven't had anything that would take us away from NPR pop up but you know and it's just one of those things where podcasts come podcasts go sometimes they come back and that's you that sometimes they come back with a freaking vengeance and then they're running around i mean uh corrales radio went away for a little bit and now they're running around again so, so sometimes you just step away a little bit but. well there's a there's a few things that are certain and it's going to be me and eric Whoever dies first, that's when the podcast will end. It's, yeah, exactly. You know that'll be that'll be. It'll <laughs> be certain. Uh, I, I think we said. I think I've said numerous times that uh, NPR will stop when one of us is dead. And uh, the leading theory is that and if it's you first, then it'll Eric be me. Will keep I mean, going. oh yeah, oh of course it'll be me. You know, he'll be in Australia getting like jumping on a crocodile, and I'll fall <laughs> off a cliff or something over here. I'll be like, huh, didn't see that coming. So you know, it's just how it'll go. it's um how do you guys or how'd you guys start out because like we kind of have a certain path because you guys talk to weird people that we want to talk to because like we have these uh, these distinct how did you get where how did you get i guess i mean like how do you get people on when they didn't previously want to be on a podcast or know what the hell a podcast was especially (laughs) six years ago what are your persuasion methods (laughs) <laughs> Eric is so good at that kind of crap. I mean, I don't, he doesn't let me talk to people. Like, you know, <laughs> um, um, he's already, I'm waiting for the phone call later. <laughs> it's like, you did good. But um, the, uh, he's very good at talking to people. And we also, we also don't really want, we don't try to make anybody do something they're uncomfortable with. So we just ask, it's just straight up. You want to come on the podcast? What's a podcast? Kind of like a radio show. Radio show? Yeah. Got to talk to us on the phone. <laughs> totally fine. What are you going to talk about? Snake stuff. Anything off limits? Whatever you tell us is off limits is off limits. Then it's done. Some people say yes. Some people say no. And there are numerous people that people are like, why haven't you had this person on? Well, because we asked them and they said no. And we're not going to bug the guy. <laughs> like, you know, that's it. You, you know, and then if they say no and then they approach us later with, hey, I listened to a couple of your episodes, you know, maybe it's something I want to do. Cool. Awesome. Fine. It's, we kind of try to take NPR as the route of no pressure. You know, if, 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 if don't worry about it, don't, don't try to knock, don't try to make a home run of a show. Don't, don't come on and be like, oh, it's going to be the best show ever, or I'm going to throw on, I'm going to put everybody on blast. Just come talk to us about snakes. The biggest thing that we have is people like, I don't know if I can talk for two hours. You'll be fine. You know, you just, you can do it. Yeah. You can yeah, trust us. You know, it, it's going to be okay. Just come on and start guarantee you you're gonna be like wait it's over already and everybody that's how it usually goes yeah i think we learned that early don't <laughs> convince people to be on like people who don't want to talk don't want to talk or don't want to be you know if they're I'm bad at that. about it I, because i'm like 
it's i don't know just it's such not a big deal it's but. right that's the hard like, it's like we're so, just hanging it's out so right? not but. a big deal we're not you know we're not super strict we literally have had three beers each right now <laughs> like it's that's the hard part it's like i know how relaxed it is and i i'm just hang out with i'm those bad beers? at like Why you hang out? letting it go when i know it could be a good thing a- Exactly. But and then there's also the the you know, we've had shows where we thought that this guest was going to be freaking incredible. And then we get let down because they either don't want to talk about these things, which is why we really wanted them to come on or that they don't really have they're not really just a really talkative person or they get nervous. And that's totally fine. So, you know, we have some bad episodes and there are other times where Eric says, oh, this guy's coming on. I'm like, what the hell are we going to talk to this guy about? And then like, Two hours into the recording time, I'm laughing so hard I can't breathe, and it's one of my favorite shows of all time. So, just kind of got to roll with it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's kind of a thing where it's like, don't meet your heroes, and mm-hmm. they'll let you down. But one that was really amazing was Eugene Bissett. <laughs> so that was like a classic NPR episode for no one, for <laughs> anyone who has never heard that. And if you want to hear Eugene Bissett call Owen, uh, was it unproven male breeder? Um, because I don't have any kids, so because he's like, he's like, do you guys got kids? I'm like, no. He goes, wow, you're an unproven male breeder. I'm like, I, he's not wrong. I'm like, it's uh, it's kind of horrible, but Jesus, it's like, and that that was the funniest thing. There there have been a few. Rob is really good at finding the clips where uh, I totally embarrass the hell out of myself and um everybody around me but uh i think there was we had one guest on and i forget who it is who actually uh assumed and got me confused with somebody and he goes well owen you just had a baby right and i'm like a human baby and like my voice (laughs) my voice hit some pitch that i have never hit it before and i'm like oh good that's recorded forever that's (laughs) fan freaking tastic like you know and it's that kind of stuff so um it, it, episodes can turn into freaking insta classics with this kind of stuff. So uh, that's why I kind of like having the uh, review show kind of every October when it's like the anniversary of NPR, we go back through like one year worth of the show. Cause we can do that now we've been doing this for goddamn forever, but, and Rob pulls clips of it. Now I've totally forgotten half the dumb shit I've said over the years. Uh, and Rob brings it all right back for me right here. So it's, it's something to enjoy. And uh, Eugene was probably one of my favorites. And then hanging out at ICAS um, with all those guys was was incredible and that kind of stuff. So I actually met him in person there uh, first. And then uh, I've seen him at a few things since. But he's a funny guy. Yeah, I wish I was around during ICAS and like meeting Rico and Eugene and all the people that were there. Rico was really cool. I only met him in person once, and that was ICAS. And uh, we had set up the table. And I actually brought like I brought like a bunch of white lips and stuff. I brought everything down to just show and try to do stuff and all this other crap. And they had a, a best in show judging this kind of stuff. And I had a patternless Wamina scrub with me. And I was getting ready to put that one into the best in show. And Rico comes walking around and he's doing some judging just kind of on solo, just kind of walking around. And he and I started talking and he said, well, which one are you doing for the best in show? I'm like, oh, this, uh, the patternless Wamina. He told, he, no, no, no. He takes a pen and he just crosses it out and he goes, pick another one. I'm like, well, and he points at, I had a uh, Malukan scrub 
and he points at her and he goes that one i'm like all right so maluka and scrub that's what we're judging she wins best in show and i'm like holy shit so it's like i guess i should have listened to him the whole freaking time so uh and he was very cool about that kind of stuff um and uh yeah we just won best in show with that and then that uh that one animal i got scott borden to play with it at iCast and now he's all about Maluk and Scrubs and White Lips and crap like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can blame Hazel for him. So, yeah, just kind of funny when that kind of stuff works out. It's funny also how you can completely hate an animal, get so much out of it, and then also pass on the love for it to all these other people exactly. and then not have them anymore, you know? Well, you know, that's the thing is, um, I, and that's it's kind of why my Python purchasing has kind of died down. I know where they all are and I know they're with people that I know. So I know where to get them. It's like, I don't need to run out and buy these, you know, written imports off of a table because if Scott ever gets his, you know, Malukans to breed, I'm just going to show up at his house. <laughs> like, Hey buddy, like, you know, it's going to be one of those things. So, you know, and that's the biggest problem of being friends with Eric. It's like, you know, do you want these, Owen? Nah, Eric's got them. If he gets, if he breeds them, I'll just grab them from him at some well, point. Well, if it's a python, you don't need any more. Never, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm good now. It's like, you know, if I ever have the need for an African rock python, I know where to go. But, you know, it just kind of, it's that thing where it's like, as long as you have friends that you know have them, if I ever feel the need and if they ever get lucky and have babies, I can talk to them. Absolutely. Um, backtracking a little bit, because that's my specialty. Um, Darren Watson in the chat asked, do you expect customers to keep the names once you've sold it? And are you offended if they change the name? I hunt them down and I take the snake back <laughs> immediately. How de- No, it's no. If I ever sell a snake with a name attached to it, I try not to include the name in the ads or anything like that. And, you know, they just, it's, it's theirs now. They can call whatever you want. It's not like it's a, it, it, it doesn't answer to it. So, well, I, we're going to get that king snake. We're going to name it Bubbles. We're going to make a sweater and a top hat and then uh, have a good time. Post all over Instagram, made by Rogue Reptiles, everyone. That look just at, hurts. Look that at just Bubbles. Hurts <laughs> it hurts badly. It just, because <laughs> my thing about top hats on Hognose has been oh, well documented in Patreon. Oh, God. It, uh, Clothes on snakes is almost as bad as my hatred for everything about the other thing. No, we're not talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, second question. I'll I'll divert. I'll divert. Good. Uh, Total selfish question. Do you think it's possible to have two number one podcasts? (laughs) (laughs) The fuck kind of question is that? I told you. No, we will destroy you. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Well, it's the thing. It's like, of course. And here's the thing is that we we, we constantly tell people, people seem to think that we're not the only game in town. We know that. And we don't want to be. You know, we we prefer it if there were tons of shows out there that had a ton of information for everybody to get at. That's what the whole point of NPR was. And we don't ever want to knock anything down or get anybody, you know, not wanting to go out there and give a stab at a podcast or a video podcast or a video journal or anything else. It please God do it. You know, there's plenty of room in the hobby for things that need to be addressed, need to be talked about, need to be brought to the forefront. Uh, the latest episode we had, we were talking about how the word codom is not a term that should be used and it should be incomplete dominance. 
And to be honest, that's a thing that probably could have been avoided if there were tons of podcasts and stuff like that running around when all that words were being assigned to morphs. Now it's so ingrained we're going to just be wrong. And and it sucks. Well, there were podcasts, people... but they were ball python podcasts, which still adopt code dom. So leave that as but you like will, smart, but... smart people have told us we did one like a year ago. Smart people keep telling us we're wrong. Well, don't when, we when Travis Wyman or, you know, when geneticists like, say you're wrong, you you're fucking right, adopt but it no immediately. One, I, mean, right? I yeah. know it's hard to go backwards and to, you know, take it off, but it's not like it's like printed on some plaque or shit. It's just stuff that people are using. So change your language. Yeah. And don't use codom. So how about those exantics, and- Owen? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still confused of what the hell I'm going to do with that because I, I, I'm probably going to because the problem is I have a clutch of uh, caramel hats. I don't know if that's the right, but they're going to hatch soon. So I am super duper caramel, super duper for- caramel exantic head for hippopotamus. So what I'm probably going to end up doing is they're going to hatch. And I'm going to have a lengthy conversation with Ben. I'm going to have a lengthy conversation with Nick. And I might even send an email to uh, Warren Booth just to be like, tell me what I should tell people these things are before I list them. That's all I want to do. Because then when I list it and I have somebody come and contact me, I want to make sure that I'm giving them the correct information. And that's it. It's all I want. I don't want anybody feeling upset or angry later on down the road that I sold them something I shouldn't. I want to be able to, everything's good. So that's probably my biggest fear. And uh, you can try to change the language as much as you want. You can change it to incomplete dominance, but you're going to be explaining yourself at reptile shows to everybody who asks what it is. So if you don't mind doing that, go ahead. But I can see where there's going to be some pushback. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's like, then why don't you just cave to saying head exanthic just because that is it's visual and you could say it is an incomplete dominant gene, but you still call it head exanthic, which is confusing in its own mm-hmm. right. And just, yeah, it's a mess unless everyone adopts it. Yes. And it's also kind of a mess because I'm not just doing straight exanthic. I have some caramel stuff in there as well. So how does that change what I'm looking at? So there, there, there's a lot of stuff. Um, don't be surprised that they're not the first things you see listed um, on uh, my page. They may they might appear at like uh, age six months when everything else appears at like age two months. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's something where it's like, you know, there's a visual hat, people call it, or a visual yeah. marker. Well, that just kind of seems codom and then the full you know the homozygous <laughs> would just be the super form or what we call the super form at least so exactly um and it's funny because there were for the longest time it's probably one of the big things that people kept checking for you know everybody talks about the i'm gonna breathe the wobble out of a jag the thing that people were looking for a lot when i was getting started was the marker for granite in ijag and they were like, oh, there are several spots on this snake's belly. That must be a marker for granite. Well, why don't you breed it and figure it out? No granites. Oh, crap. So it's like there was a lot of that stuff going. And for a little bit, there actually were people selling animals that they believed were marked as granite. There was actually, I think, a, I remember a thread on Morelia Pythons where somebody said that he had figured out the marker for granite, was selling IJ markers, but refused to tell anybody what the marker was. But you oh. can give him like a hundred bucks or five hundred bucks, and he'll send you a baby IJ. It's like okay, so it, it's one of those things where 
we just got to work it out. And once we work out all the kinks, we'll have a general language that everyone can understand and we'll be able to sell the animals. Right. It's just, you would think your platform is as good as any to say like, Hey guys, this is it motherfuckers. Like we're sticking with this or like even a group somewhere you could be like, all right guys, but no one wants to agree. I don't know why. The reptile community is huge and it's daunting sometimes when you think about that, they're like, I'm up a big player in this community, but that community is a small little drop in the big place. And a lot of the language when it comes to the genetics has kind of fluid through a bunch of different species. Some of it where it doesn't really apply, but we kind of force it because that's how what everybody understands. So it might be very hard to do that kind of a stuff and uh, to change the way of thinking, the way of talking. I mean, I already slip up a million times. I can't get to call them pop one carpet pythons. I mean, that was hard. (laughs) Like it's just, I can't. It's just, oh, I'm like, oh, IJ. Why? Because it's always been an IJ. And that's why you see more with um, when nomenclature changes. Everybody just refers to it as the old Latin or the old common name. And just takes a while for it to come through. Yeah. And I mean, there's something that I wanted to say before, but I kind of forgot. Um, you didn't have to say that. <laughs> well, I could have just said it, but I'm backtracking. So no, I want to yeah. let you know that I'm traveling back in time. You guys' honesty is awesome. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. We preface a lot of our statements. We probably don't need to. <laughs> this doesn't make sense, but... Um, so just the more people, people don't even know what a podcast is. You're saying how big the reptile community is, mm. but people don't even know what a podcast is. Um, people don't even think we're a podcast, I think, because we're like <laughs> on a YouTube channel. So they don't know, like you could download it and shit like that. Right. But it's like the more people that know that podcasts are like, there's not too many podcasts for them to listen to. They can listen to us Tuesday morning and you guys Wednesday morning. <laughs> or like, you know, like they can yeah, listen yeah. <laughs> of us in a week yeah guys so, come yeah. on well no i'm just saying that like <laughs> it's not a competition because like no. a, a person who listens to podcasts will listen to whatever they can get i'll listen to whatever podcast i can get but all i can get is you guys well, so it's like yeah i mean there's others i would have yeah. there's other but there's a lot i feel like a lot of the other ones are very very specialized you know no like, even i'll listen know, like, to a gecko i'll listen to whatever <laughs> i don't care i i think a lot of them um i, I think in almost we did it i, I think we kind of were like a perfect storm of almost things where we were kind of sp- specialized with morality pythons but then all the other podcasts kind of dropped off or you know some of them were doing other things so we started branching out and at the first point it was just like oh here's a weird little episode for you guys on this species and then we just kept going so it 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 kind of is kind of pushed past it i mean when you when i almost think when you pigeonhole yourself into one species you might run out of topics so uh obviously i would say that there's always more people out there to interview more people to talk about crazy stuff and fun stuff and always more people who are willing to talk about other things. So there's always going to be a podcast uh, out there. So I would recommend that some of those other podcasts that might be a little, I don't know, like specialized kind of branch out a little bit. I agree. And that would be fine. Um, And then also my thing is that I listen to podcasts when I'm cleaning my snakes but I don't like listening to reptile podcasts, especially myself. I would no, dear God, <laughs> I do not like that. So that ain't happening. Um, 
But my biggest thing is when I and my biggest thing is that when I don't have a podcast to listen to, I'm pissed off because it's like I got nothing to do. I gotta you know do that. So um, I'll actually discover podcasts and just like I don't know, like shotgun, like just listen to them constantly, and then I get mad when I have to when I catch up. Finally, it's called uh, binge watching. Binge or watching. Binge listening. Binge listening. <laughs> Kids these days. Um, but anyway, wow. God. Um, but. I get mad when I catch up because now I'm like, oh crap, I gotta wait like bi-weekly for another for a podcast and that gets annoying. So there's definitely room for other podcasts because I think people would always want to have something to listen to on their commute, in their snake room, whatever. So and we always get people saying, like, hey man, I want to start a podcast. I'm sure you guys get it Eric a lot more than we do. <laughs> yeah. Eric, <laughs> I get none. Eric gets them all. <laughs> so um but yeah, and what I would say is just give it a shot. I mean, nobody told Eric or me what to do. It was just do it. And I think the only piece of advice we got was be consistent. And from that, we just kept with it. God damn it, we try to be consistent. It's our <laughs> guest's fault that keep us from being consistent. <laughs> I swear, every time I tell people, like, oh, we're having this person on next week. Don't say Shit. that. <laughs> say it's your guest. Well, and that's happened Jesus. before, too, where, you know, Eric and I will announce that we're going to have this guest on, and then they can't make it, and they call us, and they're like, oh, we're going to have to reschedule, which is fine, because we're going to we're always open to rescheduling, and then it's just a, it's a me and Eric show, and we just talk at each other like this and stuff like that so you know uh, i think there was like maybe one season where we ended up having like two or three of those like in a row we're like oh crap (laughs) please god let the let the let the uh let the person come next week like you know it was one of those so um and there as long as they're few and far between with those kinds of weird things again it's just the consistency of it's nine o'clock on a tuesday like time for npr when we take the two weeks off between uh, Christmas and New Year's. Um, Tuesday at nine o'clock, I feel weird. <laughs> so it's like I'm not sitting down and, you know, calling Eric, like, what the hell's going on? So, yeah, consistency. Yeah. I mean, you get used to it after a certain time. And it's like when you're not there doing it, or like even with us, it's a little bit more awkward because we have the same collection and it's mostly me who cares for the animals. <laughs> so. So we don't have as much to talk about, but I remember like when I always listen to you guys, some of my favorite episodes were just you and Eric talking. Yeah. Um, those were, those are probably the ones that uh, have the most laid back feel because it's just me talking to my friend. And those probably are probably one of some of my favorite ones because then it's just, there's no prep work. There's no, I need to reread. I need to read the outline. I need to, you know, check out the dude's website that we're going to go talk to. You know, it's it, it's just like, oh, I'm going to sign on, click on. Hi, Eric. So it's kind of that stuff. And, and if you can kind of take that attitude of just being laid back and put it to every show, kind of just breeze right through it. All of a sudden, six years happen. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's like we just talk about what we like and what we want to talk about anyway. And then also it just expands your horizon so much to where like we didn't know anyone fucking, you know, eight months ago. You know, we didn't know a quarter of the people that we know just from asking them randomly like, hey, you don't know us, but you want to talk to us for two hours? Yeah. And people say yes for some reason. I still don't get it. It's weird and you'd, um, it's one of the things that like, you don't expect it. And then even with events like carpet fest, you start having 
you start knowing more and more people, you start talking to more and more people and you start realizing that, you know, this guy lives one town over, but never had any interactions with him. And now he's coming to Carpet Fest or, you know, this guy has these animals. Oh, shit, I've been looking for those. It's like it's that kind of stuff where you build the community just by rubbing elbows, talking with people. And you used to be able to do that. It shows a lot, um, but it's a little hard. So any of those kind of outside things like a podcast or Carpet Fest really help kind of build bridges and kind of connect people with this kind of stuff. Now, you asked me when I was on NPR. Who were some of my favorite guests or episodes? Mm. Do you have any on your end that we didn't mention before? Uh, my favorite guests. I mean, it's always cool to talk to Nick. Um, I like to live vicariously through Ari um, when he talks to us about like being on a mountain, like dying in a hut. And I'm like, whoa, dude. I wish I awesome. had diarrhea. I wish I was dying in the middle of it. Yeah, it's like, you know, all that kind of fun stuff, doing the Python research. Um, and also I geek out on the scientific stuff when Dr. Ben calls with uh, – uh, his research, but I also enjoyed the fun shows, like just having Rob Stone on and talking about uh, old times that we, you know, all the old shit that Eric and I have said, that kind of stuff. So there are too many to name at this point. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, that's my problem is I can't zero in on one show that I'm like, that one was awesome because I'm like, oh, wait, but that one was cool too. So it's a bunch. I'm of sure things. it all blends together. When oh, you're God. Six years. <laughs> It's all just one big mass of a conversation. So, uh, Gustavo asked in the chat what happened to part two of the YouTube video of your place. Uh, part two is coming. Eric is been extremely busy because he's hosting Carpet Fest, so he has part two, or he's editing part two, or he's doing something with part two. But he did say he was going to toss that out there soon. Uh, but part two definitely has a few more of my pythons on it, like the rough scales as well as a lot of my Calibrid stuff. So he will put that out there. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. That's it, well, man. Well, we did it. We're over time. I, there's already, <laughs> there's stuff in the, well, Brandon in the chat was like, oh, we're going over two hours. Is, is Melissa going to let it go to three hours? We looked at the score of the hockey game because the Stanley Cup's on, and I the know. Capitals are winning fucking like three and Damn it. If there's it. anything I don't like, it's the fucking Capitals. Yeah, I was really kind of hoping Flurry would have done something really and just killed him. You so. just can't be in the East and me like you. Mm -mm. It's just not. I, the Vegas Knights, you they haven't had time for us to hate them. So, you know, <laughs> for that. They've only it's, been here a year. Yeah, and I think it would be hilarious to watch a team that has only been here a year win the Stanley Cup. That would be cool. A lot of my friends are Flyers fans, and I really enjoy rubbing that in their face. So, yeah. And I'd like Ovechkin getting so close and just losing <laughs> every time. It's That's another thing, too. Yeah. Wait, are you not that. a Flyers fan? I'm a Penguins fan. Wow. Well, that's Penguins. convenient, isn't it? Huh? No, because I live near Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, a lot of friends that don't like me you know uh steelers pirates penguins so well i'm a devils fan i'll be living in philly soon that's so, so that will go over real well <laughs> that's that's sad really i mean i don't I, I take pity on you for that i mean you know it's one of those things yeah i just forget sports sometimes because i'm a jets fan also so. yeah oh, that's we don't talk God. about that we don't uh, hey let me i uh, wish he hadn't said that i give him uh, 
so much shit. That is the stupidest thing to be a for fan anyone of. that hates me for being a Jets fan. Why? Like they I don't know, exactly. What have they done with you in this century? I don't hate you. I think it's dumb. I think it's time like, to leave that sinking ship, but that's you. I mean, that's but whatever. But he's, he's holding out, I think, for when Gary Super B Bowl when too. Gary B buys them and like morphs it into like you know something anyone gives a shit about, but like. <laughs> Oh, the jet! Like, come on, who likes the jet? Jets. Yeah, whatever, damn, man. Damn, man. <laughs> it's just it's, he, On that note. On that note. On that note, I wish the Flyers had won. Just you simply, mean the Penguins? Or... No, the Flyers, because then. It would, oh yeah. It would. I, no, no, you were rooting for the Penguins. You're getting confused. You were rooting for the Penguins just because they're in Pennsylvania. So you're like, that'd be cool if the Eagles won. Yeah, someone else in Pennsylvania won. Penguins are Pittsburgh. The Penguins are Pittsburgh. So yes. I was rooting for the Flyers. Yeah, but the, uh, yeah, but the Flyers got kicked out early. But by I, the or they didn't make that. it. Or, oh, they, they got kicked out early. I was rooting yeah. for the Flyers so that Philadelphia could have this uh, NFL win and NHL win. Stop trying to take. My shit from me and Villanova won the NCAA, so they would have had three. See but how cool would that have been? I have too many friends that are Philly fans, and it would have ruined my brother, would have just called me and been screaming for at least an hour because <laughs> of all the shit that I put him through over the years. Which he called me Super Bowl night and just screamed at me for like 10 minutes. So, you know, no, 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 they don't, they don't need any more wins. I'm done with that. But like, so. that never happens. That's all. That's I know cool. it doesn't have to. And plus, it's like either so the least, know. the least humble city of all the cities. <laughs> I think to ever win a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, uh, the only city to climb on every light post and flip over every car. Oh no, we did that in New Orleans when we won. That was a challenge. Yeah, I, think, I think every city does that when they win the Super Bowl. Come on. Uh, well, unless you've won it multiple times, unless you're used to it. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> Patriots are like we're going to stay up till like eleven thirty oh. tonight, and then we'll go to bed. <laughs> Fuck yeah. the Patriots. No one looks. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> Tom Brady kissing his son, motherfucker, weirdo. Well, so now we call this show derailed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this is official. Now it's gone. It yeah. is totally off. It's, if anyone's still listening, it's oh, over. Do you have gone. any parting words? <laughs> I do not. What I would say uh, is. Uh, please listen to Morelia Python on radio every Tuesday, nine o'clock Eastern uh, Standard Time. I had to say that, or I would be hurt. Um, and then <laughs> the other thing is that uh, obviously you can go to MoreliaPythonRadio.com, check out all stuff we got going on there, and there are links to all five Carpet Fests. So please, if you are in any of the areas and wish to attend any Carpet Fest, contact the people who are running them. They would love to have you. Northeast Carpet Fest is this Saturday, June 9th at Eric's house in Warminster, Pennsylvania. My website is rogue-reptiles.com. You can also look at facebook.com and check out Rogue. See, now I'm just regurgitating what I say. It's sounding exactly the same. Keep on going. It's like like a baby sea turtle coming back to a a nest. (laughs) It's just natural now. Um, Come on. You can go to check out uh, facebook.com. Give us a like. And that's all we have for you tonight on Rally Python Radio. No, Um, you catch us tomorrow. Yeah, catch us tomorrow, and I'll say the same thing again. So that's all I got. Thank you guys for uh, having me on and uh, being on this side of it. It's very rarely I get to do this part, and uh, yeah, it was cool. 
I hope you enjoyed one hour of very precise aimed conversation. <laughs> Another hour and a half of bullet points of <laughs> random shit. <laughs> of course, that's most of my Tuesday night is just you know talking about some stuff and then completely about other things. So yeah, well, you may get deja vu tomorrow. Oh. We'll run down our shit. I, uh, Oh, no, no I mean, I, I will, but uh, Eric's probably going to ask me how this went, so that'll probably take up a good 10 minutes of NPR, so yeah. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. Um. By the way, well, never mind, never mind, sick, never mind. Sick. Sorry, good sorry. Job. If you want to check us out, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Port City Pythons. Our website is the, nope, shit. Our website is Port City Pythons. That one is so much better than you. <laughs> And six years worth of practice. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Our website is portcitypython.com. Get it together. He's watching. We should be having babies within a month, month and a half on our website. We will post all of that. Dude, wanna... babies are due in two weeks. <laughs> Shit. Never mind. Not a month, a month and a half. Yeah. I thought it was July. Uh, there's there's a July. clutch due 6-18 or 6-14 and 6 two due on 623 and then another one due by the end of july and then a few more in august so you got eggs hatching on my birthday oh we're gonna name them owen june 14th oh shit y'all should have put carpet fest on your birthday no i refuse that uh -uh. i don't want all those monsters around me when i turn ages no you kidding me it's bad enough as is I mean, I love you guys, all you listeners out there, and all these other things. Yeah. We're going to name Owen's Clutch Owen themed. It's going to be oh, Python Regius and uh, Sasquatch. Morph and oh, Sasquatch and damn it. Oh, Hippopotamus. Okay. Hippopotamus. Yeah. We're, we're failing at this outro. Thank you guys for listening. Um, check us out next week. I'm not telling you who's coming for on for another episode. That's all you got to do. Um, thank you, Owen, so much for being on. Totally. Everyone go to Northeast Carpet Fest if you're up there. Boom. Boom. Bye, guys. Later.